we go. There's one. And there's two. And finally, here is three. Looks like three was already good to go. Hello, everyone. I'm back. I'm back, baby. Hello. How do you all do? How you doing? <laughs> and... Bah! I misclicked it. Bah! There we go. <laughs> Y'all, how you doing? Hello! Hello! How are you all? It's good to see ya. How is everybody on this fine afternoon? I hope you're all doing quite well. Oh man, does it feel good to be back. Oh baby. Ooh, sweet baby puppies. It feels good to be back. It feels good to be back at my own setup. The, um, the, the, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, pay no attention to the man standing in front of the curtain awkwardly. It feels good to be back at my own setup. It feels good to be to know exactly where everything is. It feels good to know that things are going to work properly. Oh yeah, yo yo Y'all, I'm back. I'm here. I'm back in my frame and not stretched out sitting on a bed back at, you know, <laughs> back at my dad's place. I've got my I've got my nice dignified golden frame here. I have all of my uh chunky animated candles y'all i feel good <sighs> breathe it in breathe it out <laughs> sweet baby puppies making a comeback yeah i don't even remember when i came up with it but like um i think i think that was a stewart one i think i've talked to y'all about this before but stewart kind of lives here cass is cass is dating me but i think stewart like stewart is like our son or something um I, I think I've introduced y'all to Stuart before, right? This is Stuart. Hello. Hello, everyone. This is... Hmm. This is Stuart. My name... I'm four. I'm only four. And my name's Stuart. Stuart. And it's good to see you all. Um, that's Stuart. And Stuart, like, Stuart lives here with us. And some of his favorite catchphrases are sweet baby puppies and uh, calling people pants pockets. So... There's that, I suppose. I don't know. I've got characters that sort of like live in every once in a while. I take, I take um, like borders, I guess I would say. <laughs> I'm like a boarding house for different, for different characters. And Stuart has had the longest tenure here, I think. Uh, for a long time, I had Angus, uh, who would make some pretty constant appearances. And then prior to that, I think was Jacques. But for the time being, uh, Stuart is sort of the 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 head honcho. Y'all, I want to know how everyone's time has been. I also want to know how my audio sounds, because um, I know there was the no sound for a while, but people before that were saying it was really quiet. Um, so I kind of wanted to be sure that I wasn't missing anything there. Let me know how it is. Let me know how it, how it be, how it do. Stationary Fork says, The Secret Life of a Voice Actor. Yes, indeed. Everyone, I have got a post-it note on my screen right now, because I'm so, so, so very bad about announcements. So, fortunately, I've got this new system. I'm just going to put a post-it note on my screen so that it's unavoidable. Y'all, we're reading three chapters today, so we're going to actually have to get into this fairly quickly. We're reading chapters 7, 8, and 9, which, let me tell you, is almost exactly... It is, it is 20 words short of being a 12,000-word night, which means we're going to be sort of like pushing it. But I told y'all, when I get back, we're going back to the long streams. By long streams, I mean like Harry Potter long streams, 10 to 12,000 words in an evening. 
So that's what we're doing, by golly. I said I was going to do it, and now I'm doing it. I hope y'all goons are doing well. Uh, Swan Song says I've missed y'all so much, and the stories uh, is a good chunk missing. I can't get, I can't backtrack. It's so sad. Not yet, you can't. But don't worry, that is part of my announcements today. Never you fear. <laughs> Stationary Fork says long streams make my heart happy. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. Sanders Sanders says Stewart sounds like the child uh, Lenath impersonated to get on the airship. Yeah, it's. I think Stewart Stewart has also made an appearance as Colin Creevy. If y'all remember that, the uh, the little lad who loved taking pictures of Harry Potter. Who's the goat lady? Thank you very much for your Prime subscription. I appreciate that a ton. Uh, y'all, you have got a free Prime subscription to somebody. If you've got Amazon Prime, you've got a free subscription to somebody here on Twitch. I would say make it someone who makes your week better. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's somebody else. You've got it. Use it on somebody. I think you'll have to log in using your uh, Amazon information, but you've got it, and somebody out there is going to appreciate it an awful lot. Uh, Louisa Goat Lady, thank you. And I want to be very clear. This is not like a, oh, yeah, but, but use it on me, though. Really, truly, there are lots of people making some excellent things here on Twitch, and uh, I, I would really encourage you, find someone who makes your week better and go go give that to them. <laughs> Gem says, baby puppies, and by golly, in the same stream. Indeed, yeah, I, I, I run the gamut from, from very old to pretty young. Y'all, y'all, are you ready for some stuff today? We've got a series of announcements. First of all, some resolutions on the YouTube end, all right? Uh, not all of them positive, but certainly not all negative. First of all, I went through an appeal process. Uh, did not work. Okay, so that particular YouTube channel is not coming back. I don't see at any point in the future the Sidecar Stories YouTube channel making a resurgence. Now, with that said, uh, I'm looking at possibly starting a new one. Uh, there are going to be some challenges to that, certainly. So, if you are looking at really wanting to find back episodes, um, I've, I had a, a conversation with a, a listener with aphantasia, which is that phenomenon where you don't form pictures in your mind as you're reading and, and doing other things, but for our purposes... Um, uh, the, the the reading does not generate a picture in your mind. And so I would really like to be able, for that portion of my audience, to continue to do the, uh, the visual version. I'm going to continue to work on that and find out sort of what my best avenue is. However, I can tell you, we've only got one episode up so far, but Sidecar Stories is now on Spotify. We've only got one episode up. It was just a test episode. I wanted to see if it would work, if it would get approved, how it would sound, etc. So, the very first episode of um, The Great Gatsby is currently on Spotify. You can find that under Vintage Sidecar. You will soon be able to find other things under Side Cannons and Flying Sidecar, etc. Once I've got those, uh, the, the remainder of those things uploaded. Um, I am currently using a... Uh, a platform called Captivate to host the audio. Once again, if anyone has any sort of insight into audio hosting, I would certainly be welcome to, uh, I would certainly welcome any input y'all have uh, regarding that. But, y'all, y'all, it's good news. Um, I am, I'm excited to have that. I think a lot of folks are using this audio only anyway, and frankly, this might help those folks who, uh, you know, when, I, I know when I am listening to long-form audio-based stuff on YouTube, I would kind of rather use Spotify anyway. Um, there is an in increased cost to it, and so I want to be extra thankful um, for our next group of folks. Uh, I really, really want to say thank you to all of the patrons. 
while I was in Iowa, I was having, you know, I've, I had a little bit less chance to kind of like, uh, I don't know, to, to really, <laughs> well, to do everything how I want to be doing it. But, you know, I'm back in the Midwest, I'm on vacation. And so now... I've just had an excellent idea. Everyone, thank you very, very much. On the subject of things like, uh, you know, having to pay for audio hosting now, y'all are the reason I'm able to do that. I might not have been able to do that a little while ago, and I certainly wouldn't be able to do it in the future if we sort of, um, you know, increase the number of downloads that that has. So, I am extra thankful to my Novel Nouveaus. Death Metal Dahlia and Sander, thank you both very much for subscribing at the very highest level. I appreciate y'all a ton. My chapter champions, the next tier, E, who I think just wants to be known by E, but you've been around for a long time, so thank you, thank you very much. Jade Dragon, Orly Rose, Marin Ver, Allied1220, excuse me, Vicky Castellucci, I believe is going to be the way to say it, and then of course, Gems, and then my pristine pages. Holly Rose, Jennifer Green, Van Saves Lives, Luis the Goat Lady, Flippin' Adventures, and Nina Kostler. Y'all, thank you so very much. Uh, as I said before, y'all are y'all are doing something special there. Y'all are the reason why I can go ahead and look into options like audio hosting and what I'm going to do with that. So I appreciate y'all a ton. A ton. Sandra says you make it worth it, Sam. I do hope so. That is my plan. My 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 intent is to make it worth it. Although, frankly, I am I'm still hesitant to say it's worth it yet. My intent is to make it worth it. So I hope you will follow that. Um, uh, I'm going to be recording the next episode of uh, Shelf Confidence this week, and then I hope to turn around really quickly and do another episode the week after that to make up for some of the lost time. So, uh, y'all, thank you very much for being here with me. I've got a lot of work to do over the next couple of weeks. Um, YouTube didn't help me out, but y'all did. Where YouTube cut the legs out from under me, y'all said, you know what, we're pretty handy. Uh, let's just whittle out some new legs for you, and we'll get you on your way like Esmeralda from the curse of strahd there's a pretty narrow little joke there <laughs> dolly says shenanigangsters protecting the sidecar helping keep it back on track y'all are the ultimate runk puffians and now i get to cross that off of my announcements list y'all i'm doing it i'm doing it i'm like a real life host of a thing where i've got a list of announcements i need to make and i'm making the announcements second on our list of announcements we have some new folks Rather, we've got some old faces that we are, uh, th that now have some new positions. I would like to thank very much Sander, Gems, and Death Metal Dahlia, who are joining the mod team. So, you can expect to see their names with the, uh, with the pit crew category over them. Um, they are now, uh, really, I, I want to, I want to emphasize, I don't expect more of them, but these are some folks who I trust based on uh, how involved they've been in the community and uh, conversations we have had privately. I've had private conversations with each of the three of them extensively, um, and I, I trust them with uh, some more authority. So if you're wondering sort of like what happens when someone's being naughty, well, I've got some people I trust to uh, <laughs> to uh, put people in timeouts and such. It's an authority I take seriously, and as such, these are some folks that I really trust for this. So, Death Metal Dahlia, Sander, 
and gems. Thank you all very much. And especially to Sander on the bot end. Um, it's going to take some, some getting used to and it's going to take some fine tuning, but um, those bots are really going to improve kind of quality of life um, in the Discord. And y'all, uh, I hope you will welcome them. Let's hear it for them. Hold on. Hold on. I shouldn't have put these away yet. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta practice my rolls. I haven't done these in a while. Uh, sounds rancid. Okay, that's all right. Um, I've got my drum set here now. That's not formally one of the announcements, but hey, I've got my drum set here now and I'm looking forward to playing it. Maybe even on stream, uh, which I think is... Uh, no, we won't cover that one yet. Um, that's uh, one of our later announcements. Um, actually, why the heck not? So, uh, when might I be playing drums on stream? Well, turns out we've got some time coming up during which the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, during which uh, such a stream as that might come true. Now, let me see if I can properly browser capture here on a short notice, because I've got something I would like to show you all. Currently, it's empty. What is this now? What might this be? Well, this is a... Uh, where the heck is my face cam? Hello? Hello? There we go. Uh, Y'all, welcome to the schedule. This is the schedule for book fair, all right? Um, I want to do an early stream and a late stream. I'm anticipating about a two-hour uh, break in between, but over the next couple of weeks, I want to fill this schedule, all right? We're doing uh, the Sunday through the Saturday. That is the 26th of September through the 2nd of October, um, but that's coming up, you know? 26 is a Sunday uh, through the 2nd, which is the Saturday. Y'all, book fair is coming, all right? And I want to fill these up with good, good streams. I want to talk to all of you. I've had some great suggestions in there already, but uh, we've got the book fair channel over in Discord. Uh, I want y'all to continue to put things in there and keep in mind that as we proceed, um, as in like over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start taking votes on certain things. Um, I may just sort of uh, install things and then see like, do we want this on the early stream or the late stream, what have you, but... Uh, September 26th, that is the beginning of Book Fair, and I want to get this stuff put in uh, pronto. So I want to know what we're doing for these streams. Like I said, you know, we got we got a week full of streams, two streams a day if everything goes well. Um, I'm seeing Missy says Jackbox 100%. I think that one's probably got to end up on there. Um, I am looking forward to a lot of this. So, and Death Metal Dolly says, oh wow, one week after my birthday. Well, wouldn't you know it? It's about a week after mine as well. <laughs> um, so, everybody, uh, get in there. Uh, I put the link in for the Discord channel specifically dedicated to Book Fair, but if you're in the Discord, you can find that channel up at the very top of the lobby channels. So, in the spots where you find like the general chat, creativity, the games chat, etc., you will find at the very top of that category the Book Fair channel. I want to hear your suggestions in there, and that is where I will be pinging y'all to let you know when we've got a vote coming up. I will, I'll ping everybody, just so you know. Okay, there we go. That is the next on my list. Uh, of course, then we also have uh, a, a smaller announcement, but a fun one nonetheless. Y'all, we have got our new book coming up for Vintage Sidecar. This is my Tuesday stream. We stream at noon Pacific time on Tuesdays, so whatever time this stream starts for you in your time zone, four hours prior to that. Vintage Sidecar, where we shed some light on Classic Lit. We just got finished up with The Hobbit, and now we are moving on to, as the vote has determined, one more of these, I think. Murder on the Orient Express. 
I am very excited. We have had a chance to explore so many different genres on that series. I wasn't expecting to. I was expecting a lot of sort of like, you know, really kind of um, uh, traveling our way, forging a path along some very classic literature in sort of one genre, but I find that we have made our way through some classic fantasy, we're heading into classic um, uh, mystery stories, we're heading, uh, we, we've, we've come out of Frankenstein, classic horror, etc., the great American novel sort of genre with The Great Gatsby. We've had a ton of fun over there. So if you would like to get involved with that, make sure you go to Discord. Let me put the link in right now. Here is the uh, here are the links. You can that's that's the sort of link tree, assuming it pops up at some point. Um, but you head over to Discord. You go to the tags channel, which is up in the information, the very top category, the info category. Go to the tags channel and make sure you have selected vintage sidecar, so you get pinged when that sort of stuff comes up. Because like I said. Murder on the Orient Express is going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun character voices, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Now, that is all but our very final announcement. I recognize we've had quite a few of these. I'm trying to roll roll along, but hey, it's our first one back. you got to expect something like this. Finally, we need to take a vote right now. Um, and actually, perhaps I will wait... Um, until after, I'll wait for I'll wait for a couple of chapters, okay? Because I want to make sure it's the sort of it's the right group of folks, um, and by that I mean the folks who are typically here for side karaoke business. All right, we're going to be taking a vote later on, and that vote is essentially going to be: Do we want to do the side karaoke stream on a new time, or do we want to use it to replace one of these streams? I'm thinking next week or possibly the week after that. That's the question, and we're not going to take a vote right now because I think I want to wait until later when it's precisely that group of people who would normally be here. Um, but yes, I want to use that time. I want to use tonight so that I know I've got the right folks sort of in and involved with the vote. Do we want to have the side karaoke stream to replace this stream either next week or the week following? Um, because I know some people might have certain feelings about whether they want to sort of pause Percy Jackson for the sake of one of these streams. Because on the other side, if we weren't to replace this stream just for one week, then the issue would be a lot of you folks who are here, perhaps you can't schedule a Wednesday night like you can catch, schedule a, a Thursday night. So I want to take that vote later. We will find out here. And uh, we are going to have to abide by that as much as I would love to say, we'll just do a side karaoke stream every night and it'll be the same every night. So you all get the same experience. Unfortunately, I am but one man and I can sing but one stream. That's not true. I can, I can sing more than one stream, but as far as right now, I'm also trying to get like Spotify off the ground and everything. I do have quite a bit going on. Uh, so we're going to take that vote later on tonight. Uh, if I forget by the time we hit beans, y'all just remind me, please, because I'm about to put this post-it note away and I have a deep and uh, a, a deep and curling fear of forgetting to do that later on. So, something else should know. Gem says, right now Orient Express will only be heard on Twitch outside of Discord, right? Um, I plan to get that, as I'm editing it, I plan to have that uh, uploading to um, to Spotify as well. Um, it might be a little challenging because I'm going to have to see whether or not it will let me sort of bounce back and forth. The way that, that it divides things is by seasons, and so I'm considering like The Great Gatsby, season one. Um, uh, Frankenstein is going to be season two, etc. So I'm going to have to see if it will allow me to do things like upload a season one episode, and then a season four, or let's see, it would be season five for 
Murder on the Orient Express, wouldn't it? So we shall have to see. However, I will tell you all um, the the uh, the easiest way, maybe for right now, the most certain way is uh, you can find these episodes here on Twitch for two weeks after the stream. So if you're wondering, I can't watch Orient, Murder on the Orient Express live, but I'd love to catch up with it. That's how you can do so. And with that, folks, that is the end of our announcements. I am certainly happy to be back. Ah, oh, I feel good. Y'all can feel the energy, I assume, because I can definitely feel the energy. <sighs> Rose says, I cannot wait to hear Sam do the fussy, precise Belgian. I'm going to do my best. We shall see. We shall see what becomes of uh, a lot of those voices. Um, is there going to be a lot of fun? Are they going to be accurate? I never promised that. Because I never could. <laughs> Louise says, don't stretch yourself too thin, Sam. Take care of you first, then we'll fit in. I I would I would agree with you. I am I feel like I'm I'm taking decent care of myself. Um, but I also I have a part part of that for me is feeling like I'm making some kind of progress. And so I definitely want to be doing this. Thank you for the good vibes, Swan Song. I appreciate it. Um, Let's see. Sandra says, having you stream late for my time zone means that the chance is good. I have nothing else planned at that time. Not counting sleep. <laughs> then she said, maybe do side karaoke an hour earlier or so, so most people can still make it. How long would a side karaoke stream be? I'm anticipating, like, probably a couple hours. I frankly do not know, because I know we've got, like, a certain number sort of stocked up, but I also plan to just sort of hang out uh, on that night. And uh, I, I feel confident, like, it'll be at least two hours. It'll be a two-hour stream. I don't know how much of that will be, like, singing strictly, because I know we like to mess around quite a bit with that, but but uh, uh, I, I, I plan to... <laughs> I plan to continue to mess around. At least two hours, I would say. Moonlight says, Hi, I know this is Percy Jackson, but what book is it? This is book three. And with that, I think we're going to have to dive in, aren't we? I think, Moonlight, thank you very much for that uh, that transition, that little segue into what we're doing tonight. Yeah, we got a bit of review to talk about, don't we? Just a little bit. Just a little bit of review. Um, and by that, I mean the beginning of this whole book because it's been a week i feel the need to kind of extend slightly on slightly out beyond uh simply what we read last week because we didn't read anything last week so chapters one through six percy jackson has his friends grover and annabeth with him in addition to sort of a new member of the team the sort of the squad that is those three talia who has spent quite a bit of time as a tree of late. She, as, as of the end of the last book, is now sort of free of the tree and wandering about in the world. Hasn't aged much, but sort of feels like she has, and is part of a group of four that goes off to a little, kind of a military school, to collect, rescue, one might say, some prospects, some possible demigods discovered by Grover. They are the uh, D'Angelo siblings, Bianca and Nico D'Angelo. And the two of them have been at this school for a little while. Seems like they've been staying kind of safe, but there is definitely a monster in hiding there at the school. Someone named Dr. Thorne. And Dr. Thorne seems to be uh, some sort of creature we find out later on, and we'll talk about it more here, but I don't feel the need to go deep into it. During this confrontation, Percy manages to essentially fight off Dr. Thorne with obviously the help of all of his friends, and uh, honestly, it might be fairer to say that he is rescued 
Um, I, I think it would probably be mischaracterizing it to say that Percy fights off Dr. Thorne, because really, it's these hunters that show up. These hunters led by none other than the goddess Artemis, goddess of the hunt. Um, she and her hunters, all of them female, uh, they arrive and they really do sort of the, 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 the final blow of this fight, and everything's great, except for one thing. Annabeth got yoinked. <laughs> uh, Annabeth has been abducted by this Dr. Thorne character, and so, when they arrive back at camp, uh, there's a lot of discussion over what's going to happen with the, the uh, D'Angelo twins. I'm not going to get into all of that right now. Suffice to say that Bianca is going to join the hunters. Um, she intends to live the rest of her life as a huntress um, with the, the hunters of Artemis. And... Nico, the two of them have been very close. Uh, Nico is going to spend time at Camp Half-Blood. Now, when we're going into this chapter, chapter 7, um, there's been some stuff happening. It's the middle of winter, which is not a time when Percy is often at the camp. Typically, he would be back at home or at school during the winter, but now, because of things going the way that they are, he is now here at camp. And um, we've just had a big incident. There is a big capture the flag game between these two big groups. The Hunters of Artemis, who don't seem to get along particularly well with campers, and the campers. So, campers versus hunters, and it's a pretty, you know, kind of knockdown, drag out match. It's very exciting, and then we see something absolutely, honestly, terrifying, I think, if you asked me. The Oracle. This shriveled up mummy in a sundress that typically sits still on a stool in the attic of the big house here on the campus. Campus? The camp campus? What would one call it? I don't know. The campgrounds. This oracle, this shriveled old mummy, has never moved until now, and suddenly it is wandering around in the woods and exclaims thus, Five shall go west to the goddess in chains. One shall be lost in the land without rain. The bane of Olympus shows the trail. Campers and hunters combined prevail. The titan's curse must one withstand, and one shall perish by a parent's hand. Hmm. Please excuse my beveraging. That's pretty intense, right? Um, this all relating, we would think, I think one would safely assume, to the rescue mission sent out to get Annabeth and to discover what is happening, um, not only with Annabeth, but also with Dr. Thorne and the resurgence of monsters in the area, and possibly the goddess Artemis herself. Because if there's a goddess in trouble we know we're dealing with something very serious here. Gems has requested a repeat. I'll give it to you one more time. Five shall go west to the goddess in chains. One shall be lost in the land without rain. The bane of Olympus shows the trail. Campers and hunters combined prevail. The titan's curse one must withstand, and one shall perish by a parent's hand. As in the hand of a parent, not... That's a hand, apparently. <laughs> so, with that, y'all, I think we're ready to launch into it. I hope you have all had a wonderful month. Uh, for those of you who did not join me for my vacation streams, two things. I miss you, and secondly, I get it. Because those are some rough ones. Y'all who did join me, 
thank you so much for being with me and uh, for, for bearing with me through some of the weirdness. I appreciate you all. Finally, everyone, I do hope you will enjoy tonight's reading. I want to say hello to everyone over on the Discord channel. I see Sander, Joseph, and Death Metal Dahlia. Y'all, come on in. The water's fine. Whether you want to be listening here on Discord or on Twitch. Sparkle of Good Gems, Louise, Moonlight, Swan Song. Uh, let's see. Dahlia, Vane, Sander. Y'all are wonderful. Thank you all for being here. And, uh, oh, Stationary Fork, I didn't catch you before. Thank you very much for the Prime subscription. Let us begin. <coughs> Chapter 7. Everybody hates me but the horse. <sighs> the least the oracle could have done was to walk back to the attic by herself. Instead, Grover and I were elected to carry her. I couldn't figure that that was because we were the most popular. Oh, oh, watch her head, Grover warned as we went up the stairs. But it was too late. I whacked her mummified face against the trapdoor frame and the dust flew. Oh man. I set her down and checked for damage. Did I did I break anything? I can't tell, Grover admitted. We hauled her up and set her down on the tripod stool, both of us huffing and sweating. Who knew a mummy could weigh so much? I assumed she wouldn't talk to me, and I was right. I was relieved when we finally got out of there and slammed the attic door shut. Well, Grover said, that was gross. I knew he was trying to keep things light for my sake, but I still felt really down. The whole camp would be mad at me for losing the game to the hunters, and then there was the new prophecy from the Oracle. It was like the spirit of Delphi had gone out of her way to exclude me. She'd ignored my question and walked half a mile to talk to Zoe. And she had said nothing, not even a hint, about Annabeth. What's Chiron going to do? I asked Grover. I wish that I knew. He looked wistfully out of the second floor window at the rolling hills covered in snow. I want to be out there. Searching for Annabeth? He had a little trouble focusing on me, and then he blushed. Oh, right, that too, of course. Why? I asked. What were you thinking? He clopped his hooves uneasily. Just something that the Mantico said about the great stirring. I can't help but wonder if all of those ancient powers are waking up. Maybe, maybe not all of them are evil. You mean Pan? I felt kind of selfish because I'd totally forgotten about Grover's life ambition. The nature god had gone missing 2,000 years ago. He was rumored to have died, but the satyrs didn't believe that. They were determined to find him. They'd been searching in vain for centuries, and Grover was convinced that he'd be the one to succeed. This year, with Chiron putting all the satyrs on emergency duty to find half-bloods, Grover hadn't been able to continue his search. It must have been driving him nuts. I've let the trail go cold, he said. I feel restless, like I'm missing something really important. He's out there somewhere. I can, I can just feel it. I didn't know what to say. 
I wanted to encourage him, but I didn't know how. My optimism had pretty much been trampled all into the snow out there in the woods, along with our captured flag hopes. Before I could respond, Talia tromped up the stairs. She was officially not talking to me now, but she looked at Grover and said, Tell Percy to get his back downstairs. Why? I asked. Did he say something? Talia asked Grover. Um, he asked why? Dionysus is calling a council of the cabin leaders to discuss the prophecy, she said. Unfortunately, that includes Percy. The council was held around a ping-pong table in the rec room. Dionysus waved his hand and supplied snacks, cheese whiz, crackers, and several bottles of red wine. Then Chiron reminded him that wine was against his restrictions, and most of us were underage. Mr. D sighed. With a snap of his fingers, the wine turned to Diet Coke. Nobody drank that either. Mr. D and Chiron, in wheelchair form, sat at one end of the table. Zoe and Bianca D'Angelo, who had kind of become Zoe's personal assistant, took the other end. Talia and Grover and I sat along the right, and the other head counselors, Beckendorf, Selena, Beauregard, and the Stoll brothers, sat on the left. The area's kids were supposed to send a representative too, but all of them had gotten broken limbs, accidentally, during Capture the Flag, courtesy of the Hunters. They were resting up in the infirmary. Zoe started the meeting off in a positive tone. This is pointless. Cheese whiz! Grover gasped. He began scooping up crackers and ping-pong balls and spraying them with topping. There is no time for talk, Zoe continued. Our goddess needs us. The hunters must leave immediately. And go where? Chiron asked. West, Bianca said. I was amazed at how different she looked after just a few days with the hunters. Her dark hair was braided like Zoe's now, so you could actually see her face. She had a splash of freckles across her nose, and her dark eyes vaguely reminded me of someone famous, but I couldn't think who. She looked like she'd been working out, and her skin glowed faintly like the other hunters, as if she'd been taking showers in liquid moonlight. You heard the prophecy? Five shall go west to the goddess in chains. We can get five hunters and go. Yes, Zoe agreed. Artemis is being held hostage. We must find her and free her. You're missing something, as usual, Talia said. Campers and hunters combined prevail. We're supposed to do this together. No, Zoe said. The hunters do not need thy help. You're... Talia grumbled. Nobody said thine like three hundred years, Zoe. Get with the times. Zoe hesitated like she was trying to form the word correctly. Yer. We do not need your help. Talia rolled her eyes. I forget it. I fear the prophecy says you do need our help, Chiron said. Campers and hunters must cooperate. Or do they? Mr. D mused, swirling his Diet Coke under his nose like it was a fine bouquet. One shall be lost, one shall perish. That sounds rather nasty, doesn't it? What have you failed because you tried to cooperate? Mr. D, Chiron sighed, with all due respect, whose side are you on? Dionysus raised his eyebrows. 
Sorry, my dear centaur, just trying to be helpful. We're supposed to be working together, Talia said stubbornly. I don't like it either, Zoe, but you know prophecies. Do you want to fight one? Zoe grimaced, but I could tell Talia had scored a point. We must not delay, Chiron warned. Today is Sunday. This very Friday, December 21st, is the winter solstice. Oh, joy, Dionysus muttered. Another dull annual meeting. Artemis must be present at the solstice, Zoe said. She has been one of the most vocal in the council for arguing for action against Kronos's minions. If she is absent, the gods will decide nothing. We will lose another year of war preparations. Are you suggesting that the gods have trouble working together, young lady? Dionysus asked. Yes, Lord Dionysus. Mr. D nodded. Just check in. You're right, of course. Carry on. I must agree with Zoe, said Chiron. Artemis's presence at the Winter Council is critical. We have only a week to find her, and possibly even more important to locate the monster that she was hunting. Now, we must decide who goes on this quest. Three and two, I said. Everybody looked at me. Talia even forgot to ignore me. We're supposed to have five, I said, feeling self-conscious. Three hunters, two from Camp Half-Blood. That's more than fair. Talia and Zoe exchanged looks. Well... Talia said. It does make sense. Zoe grunted. I would prefer to take all the hunters. We will need strength of numbers. You will be retracing the goddess's path, Chiron reminded her, moving quickly. No doubt Artemis tracked the scent of this rare monster, whatever it is, as she moved west. You will have to do the same. The prophecy is clear. The bane of Olympus shows the trail. What would your mistress say? Too many hunters spoil the scent. A small group is best. Zoe picked up a ping-pong paddle and studied it like she was deciding who she wanted to whack first. This monster, the bane of Olympus. I have hunted at Lady Artemis's side for many years, yet I have no idea what this beast might be. Everybody looked at Dionysus. I guess because he was the only god present and gods are supposed to know things. He was flipping through a wine magazine. When everyone got silent, he glanced up. But don't look at me. I'm a young god, remember? I don't keep track of all those ancient monsters and dusty titans. I make for terrible party conversation. Hey, Karen, I said. You don't have any ideas about the monster. Chiron pursed his lips. Hmm, I have several ideas, none of them good, and none of them quite make sense. Typhon, for instance, could fit this description. He was truly a bane of Olympus, or the sea monster Keto. But if either of these were studying, we would know it. They are ocean monsters, the size of skyscrapers. Your father, Poseidon, would already have sounded the alarm. I fear... This monster may be more elusive, perhaps even more powerful. That's some serious danger you're facing, 
Connor Stoll said. I liked how he said you and not we. Sounds like at least two of the five are going to die. One shall be lost in the land without rain, Beckendorf said. If I were you, I would stay out of the desert. There was a muttering of agreement. And the Titan's curse must one withstand, Selina said. What could that mean? I saw Chiron and Zoe exchange a nervous look, but whatever they were thinking, they did not share it. One shall perish by a parent's hand, Grover said, in between bites of cheese whiz and ping-pong balls. How is that possible? Whose parent would kill them? There was a heavy silence around the table. I glanced at Talia and wondered if she was thinking the same thing I was. Years ago, Chiron had had a prophecy about the next child of the big three. Zeus, Poseidon, or Hades, who turned sixteen. Supposedly, that kid would make a decision that would save or destroy the gods forever. Because of that, the big three had taken an oath after World War II not to have any more kids. But Talia and I had been born anyway, and now we were getting close to sixteen. I remembered a conversation I'd had last year with Annabeth. I'd asked her, if I was so potentially dangerous, why didn't the gods just kill me? Some of the gods would like to kill you, she had said, but they're afraid of offending Poseidon. Could an Olympian parent turn against his half-blood child? Would it sometimes be easier to just let them die? If there were ever any half-bloods you needed to... If there were ever any half-bloods who needed to worry about that, it was Talia and me. I wondered if maybe I should have just sent Poseidon that seashell pattern tie for Father's Day after all. There will be deaths, Chiron decided. That much we know. Oh, goody, Dionysus said. Everyone looked at him. He glanced up innocently from the pages of Wine Connoisseur magazine. Oh, it's Pinot Grigio making a comeback. Don't mind me. Percy is right, Selena Beauregard said. Two campers should go. Ah, I see, Zoe said sarcastically. And I suppose you wish to volunteer. Selena blushed. I'm not going anywhere with the hunters. Don't look at me. A daughter of Aphrodite does not wish to be looked at, Zoe scoffed. What would thy mother say? Selena started to get out of her chair, but the Stoll brothers pulled her back. Stop it, Beckendorf said. He was a big guy with a bigger voice. He didn't talk much, but when he did, people tended to listen. Let's start with the hunters. Which three of you will go? Zoe stood. I shall go, of course, and I will take Phoebe. She is our best tracker. Is that the big girl who likes to hit people on the head? Travis Stoll asked cautiously, so he nodded. The one who put the arrows in my helmet? Connor asked. Yes, Zoe snapped. Why? Oh, nothing, Travis said. It's just we've got a t-shirt folder from the camp store. He held up a big silver t-shirt that said, Artemis the Moon Goddess, Fall Hunting Tour 2002, with a huge list of national parks and stuff underneath. It's a collector's item. She was admiring it. You want to give it to her? I knew the stalls were up to something. They always were. But I guess Zoe didn't know them as well as I did. 
She just sighed and took the T-shirt. As I was saying, I will take Phoebe. And I wish Bianca to go. Bianca looked stunned. Me? But I'm... I'm so new, I wouldn't be any good. You will do fine, Zoe insisted. There's no better way to prove thyself. Bianca closed her mouth. I felt kind of sorry for her. I remembered my first quest when I was twelve. I'd felt totally unprepared. A little honored, maybe, but a lot resentful and plenty scared. I figured the same things were running in Bianca's head right now. "'And for campers?' Chiron asked. His eyes met mine, but I couldn't tell what he was thinking. "'Me! Me!' Grover stood up as fast as he could and bumped the ping-pong table. He brushed cracker crumbs and ping-pong ball scraps off of his lap. "'Anything to help Artemis?' Zoe wrinkled her nose. "'I think not, Sater. You are not even a half-blood.' "'But he is a camper,' Talia said. "'And he's got a Sater's senses in woodland magic.' Can you play a tracker's song yet, Grover? Absolutely. Zoe wavered. I didn't know what a tracker's song was, but apparently Zoe thought it was a very good thing. Very well, Zoe said. And the second camper. I'll go. Talia stood and looked around, daring anyone to question her. Okay, now, maybe my math skills weren't the best, but it suddenly occurred to me that what we'd reached was the number five, and I wasn't in the group. Hey, whoa, whoa, wait a second, I said. I want to go, too. Talia said nothing. Chiron was still studying me, his eyes sad. Oh, Grover said, suddenly aware of the problem. Whoa, yeah, I, I forgot. Percy has to go. I, I, I didn't mean... I'll stay. Percy should go in my place. He cannot, Zoe said. He is a boy. I won't have hunters traveling with a boy. You traveled here with me, I reminded her. That was a short-term emergency, and it was ordered by the goddess. I will not go across the country and fight many dangers in the company of a boy. Well, what about Grover? I demanded. Zoe shook her head. He does not count. He is a satyr. He is not technically a boy. Hey, Grover protested. I have to go, I said. I need to be on this quest. Why? Zoe asked. Is it because of thy friend Annabeth? I felt myself blushing. I hated that everyone was looking at me. No. I, I mean, partly, I just, I feel like I'm supposed to go. Nobody rose to my defense. Mr. D looked bored, still reading his magazine. Selena, the Stoll brothers, and Beckendorf were staring at the table. Bianca gave me a look of pity. No, Zoe said flatly. I must insist on this. I will take a satyr if I must, but not a male hero. Chiron sighed. The quest is for Artemis. The hunters should be allowed to approve of their companions. My ears were ringing as I sat down. I knew Grover and some of the others were looking at me sympathetically, but I couldn't meet their eyes. I just sat there as Chiron concluded the council. So be it, he said. 
Talia and Grover will accompany Zoe, Bianca, and Phoebe. You shall leave at first light, and may the gods... He glanced at Dionysus. Present company included, we hope, be with you. I didn't show up for dinner that night, which was a mistake, because Chiron and Grover came looking for me. Percy, I'm so sorry, Grover said, sitting next to me in the bunk. I didn't know that they would, that you'd, uh, honest. He started to sniffle, and I figured if I didn't cheer him up, he'd either start bawling or chewing up my mattress. He tended to eat household objects whenever he got upset. It's okay, I lied. Really? It's fine. Grover's lower lip trembled. I wasn't even thinking. I was so focused on helping Artemis, but I promise I'll look everywhere for Annabeth. If I can find her, I will. I nodded and tried to ignore the big crater that was opening up in my chest. Grover, Chiron said, perhaps you would let me have a word with Percy. Sure. He sniffled. Chiron waited. Oh, Grover said. You mean alone? Sure, Chiron. He looked at me miserably. See? Nobody needs a goat. He trotted out the door, blowing his nose on his sleeve. Chiron sighed and knelt on his horse's legs. Mercy? I don't pretend to understand prophecies. Yeah, I said. Well, maybe that's because they don't make any sense. Chiron gazed at the saltwater spring gurgling out of the corner of the room. Talia would not have been my first choice to go on this quest. She's too impetuous. She acts without thinking. She's too sure of herself. Would you have chosen me? Frankly, no. He said. You and Talia are much alike. Thanks a lot. He smiled. The difference is you are less sure of yourself than Talia. That could be good or bad, but one thing I can say, both of you together would be a dangerous thing. We can handle it. The way you handled that creek tonight? Oh, excuse me. The way that you handled it at the creek tonight? I didn't answer. He'd nailed me. Perhaps it is for the best, Chiron mused. You can go home to your mother for the holidays. If we need you, we can call. Yeah, I said. Maybe. I pulled Riptide out of my pocket and set it on the nightstand. It didn't seem that I'd be using it for anything but writing Christmas cards. That was the weirdest way to intone that. I pulled Riptide out of my pocket and set it on my nightstand. It didn't seem that I'd be using it for writing anything but Christmas cards. And see, now that time I just read it wrong, so let's try that a one more again. I pulled Riptide out of my pocket and set it on my nightstand. It didn't seem I'd be using it for anything but writing Christmas cards. When he saw the pen, Chiron grimaced. It's no wonder Zoe doesn't want you along, I suppose. 
Not while you're carrying that particular weapon. I didn't understand what he meant. Then I remembered something he told me long ago when he gave me my first magic sword experience. It has a long and tragic history, which we need not go into. I wanted to ask him about that, but then he pulled a golden drachma from his saddlebag and tossed it to me. Call your mother, Percy. Let her know you're coming home in the morning. And uh, for what it's worth, I almost volunteered for this quest myself. I would have gone, if not for the last line. One must perish by a parent's hand, yeah. I didn't need to ask. I knew Cronus... I didn't need to ask. I knew Chiron's dad was Cronus, the evil Titan Lord himself. The line would make perfect sense if Chiron had gone on the quest. Cronus didn't care for anyone, including his own children. Chiron, I said, you know what this Titan's curse is, don't you? His face darkened. He made a claw over his heart and pushed outward, an ancient gesture for warding off evil. I just hope the prophecy does not mean what I think. Now good night, Percy, and your time will come. I'm convinced of that. There's no need to rush. He said, your time, the way people did when they meant your death. I didn't know if Chiron meant it that way, but the look in his eyes made me scared to ask. I stood at the saltwater spring, rubbing Chiron's coin in my hand and trying to figure out what to say to my mom. I really wasn't in the mood to have one more adult tell me doing nothing was the greatest thing I could do, but I figured my mom deserved an update. Finally, I took a deep breath and threw in the corn. <laughs> the corn! <laughs> Finally... I took a deep breath and threw in the coin. Oh, goddess, accept my offering. The mist shimmered. The light from the bathroom was just enough to make a faint rainbow. Show me Sally Jackson, I said. Upper East Side, Manhattan. And there in the mist was a scene I did not expect. My mom was sitting at our kitchen table with some guy. They were laughing hysterically. There was a big stack of textbooks between them. The man was, I don't know, 30-something with longish salt-and-pepper hair and a brown jacket over a black t-shirt. He looked like an actor, like a guy who might play an undercover cop on television. I was too stunned to say anything, and fortunately my mom and the guy were too busy laughing to notice my iris message. The guy said, <laughs> Sally, you're a riot. You want some more wine? Uh, I shouldn't. You can go ahead if you want. Actually, I'd uh, better use your bathroom. May I? Down the hall, she said, trying not to laugh. The actor dude smiled and got up and left. Mom, I said. She jumped so hard she almost knocked her textbooks off the table. Finally, she focused on me. Oh, my Percy... Oh, honey, is everything okay? What are you doing? I demanded. She blinked. Homework? Then she seemed to understand the look on my face. Oh, honey, that's that's just Paul, uh, Mr. Blowfish. He's in my writing seminar. Mr. Blowfish? Blowfish. I'll be back in a minute, Percy. Just tell me what's wrong. 
She always knew when something was wrong. I told her about Annabeth. The other stuff too, but mostly it boiled down to Annabeth. My mother's eyes teared up. I could tell she was trying hard to keep it together for my sake. Oh, Percy. Yeah, so they told me there's nothing I can do. I guess uh, I'll be coming home. She turned her pencil around in her fingers. Percy, as much as I want you to come home. <sighs> she sighed like she was mad at herself. As much as I want you to be safe, I want you to understand something. You need to do whatever you think you have to do. I stared at her. What do you mean? I mean, do you really, deep down, believe that you have to help save her? Do you think it's the right thing to do? Because I know one thing about you, Percy. Your heart is always in the right place. Listen to it. You're... You're telling me to go? My mother pursed her lips. I'm telling you that you're getting too old for me to tell you what to do. I'm telling you that I'll support you, even if what you decide to do is dangerous. I can't believe I'm saying this. Mom? The toilet flushed down the hall in our apartment. I don't have much time, my mom said. Percy, whatever it is you decide, I love you. And I know you'll do what's best for Annabeth. How can you be sure? Because she would do the same for you. And with that, my mother waved her hand over the mist and the connection dissolved, leaving me with one final image of her new friend, Mr. Blowfish, smiling down at her. I don't remember falling asleep, but I remember the dream. I was back in that barren cave, the ceiling heavy and low above me. Annabeth was kneeling under the weight of a dark mass that looked like a pile of boulders. She was too tired even to cry out. Her legs trembled. Any second I knew she would run out of strength and the cavern ceiling would collapse on top of her. How is our mortal guest? A male voice boomed. It wasn't Kronos. Kronos' voice was raspy and metallic, like a knife scraped across stone. I'd heard it taunting me many times before in my dreams, but this voice was deeper and lower, like a bass guitar. Its force made the ground vibrate. Luke emerged from the shadows. He ran to Annabeth, knelt beside her, and then looked back at the unseen man. She's fading. We must hurry. The hypocrite, like he really cared what happened to her. <laughs> the deep voice chuckled. It belonged to someone in the shadows at the edge of my dream. Then a meaty hand thrust someone forward into the light. Artemis, her hands and feet bound in celestial bronze chains. I gasped. Her silvery dress was torn and tattered. Her face and arms were cut in several places, and she was bleeding Ikor, the golden blood of the gods. You heard the boy, said the man in the shadows. Decide 
Artemis's eyes flashed with anger. I didn't know why she didn't just will the chains to burst or make herself disappear, but she didn't seem able to. Maybe the chains prevented her, or some magic about this dark, horrible place. The goddess looked at Annabeth, and her expression changed to concern and outrage. How dare you torture a maiden like this? She's going to die soon, Luke said. You can save her. Annabeth made a weak sound of protest. My heart felt like it was being twisted into a knot. I wanted to run to her, but I couldn't move. Free my hands, Annabeth. Free my hands, Artemis said. Luke brought out his sword, backbiter. With one expert strike, she broke... With one expert strike, he broke the goddess's handcuffs. Artemis ran to Annabeth and took the burden from her shoulders. Annabeth collapsed on the ground and lay there shivering. Artemis staggered, trying to support the weight of the black rocks. The man in the shadows chuckled. <laughs> you are as predictable as you were easy to beat, Artemis. You surprised me. You surprised me, she said, straining under her burden. It will not happen again. Indeed, it will not, the man said. Now you are out of the way for good. I knew you could not resist helping a young maiden. That is, after all, your specialty, my dear. Artemis groaned. You know nothing of mercy, you swine. On that, the man said, we can agree. Luke, you may kill the girl now. No! Luke hesitated. She... she may yet be useful, sir. Further bait. <laughs> you truly believe that? Yes, General. They will come for her, I'm sure. The man considered. Then the Dracane can guard her here. Assuming she does not die from her injuries, you may keep her alive until winter solstice. After that, if our sacrifice goes as planned, her life will be meaningless. The lives of all mortals will be meaningless. Luke gathered up Annabeth's listless body and carried her away from the goddess. You will never find the monster you seek, Artemis said. Your plan will fail. How little you know, my young goddess, said the man in the shadows. Even now, your darling attendants begin their quest to find you. They shall play directly into my hands. Now, if you'll excuse us... We have a long journey to make. We must greet your hunters and make sure their quest is challenging.
The man's laughter echoed in the darkness, shaking the ground until it seemed the whole cavern would explode. I woke with a start. I was sure I'd heard loud banging. I looked around the cabin. It was dark outside. The salt spring still gurgled. No other sounds but the hoot of an owl in the woods and the distant surf on the beach. In the moonlight on my nightstand was Annabeth's New York Yankees cap. I stared at it for a second and then... Someone or something was pounding on my door. I grabbed Riptide and got out of bed. Hello? I called. I crept to the door. I uncapped the blade, flung open the door, and found myself face to face with a black pegasus. Hey, whoa, boss! Its voice spoke in my mind as it clopped away from the sword blade. I don't want to be a horse kebab! Its black wings spread in alarm, and the wind buffeted me back a step. Oh, Blackjack, I said, relieved but a little irritated. It's the middle of the night. Blackjack huffed. It ain't either, boss. It's five in the morning. What are you still sleeping for? How many times have I told you? Don't call me boss. Whatever you say, boss. You're the man. You're my number one. I rubbed the sleep out of my eyes and tried not to let the Pegasus read my thoughts. That's the problem with being Poseidon's son. Since he created horses out of sea foam, I can understand most equestrian animals, but they can understand me too. Sometimes, like in Blackjack's case, they kind of adopt me. See, Blackjack had been a captive on board Luke's ship last summer until we'd caused a little distraction that allowed him to escape. I'd really had very little to do with it, seriously, but Blackjack credited me with saving him. Hey, Blackjack, I said, you're supposed to stay in the stables. Yeah, the stables. You see Chiron staying in the stables? And, I mean, no. Exactly. Listen, we got another little sea friend that needs your help. Again? Yeah, I told the hippocampi I'd come to get you. I groaned. Any time I was anywhere near the beach, the hippocampi would ask me to help me with their problems, and they had a lot of problems. Beached whales, porpoises caught in fishing nets, Mermaid, mermaids, what's what? And they had a lot of problems. Beached whales, porpoises caught in fishing nets, mermaids with hangnails. They'd call me to come underwater and help. Okay, I said. I'm coming. You're the best, boss. And don't call me boss. Blackjack whinnied softly. It might have been a laugh. (laughs) I looked back at my comfortable bed. My bronze shield still hung on the wall, dented and unusable. And on my nightstand was Annabeth's magic Yankees cap. On an impulse, I struck the cap in my pocket. On an impulse, I stuck the cap in my pocket. I guess I had a feeling, even then, that I wasn't coming back to my cabin for a long, long time. (laughs) 
Y'all, that is the end of our first chapter of the evening. Our first of three chapters. It's 5.14. We are getting into it tonight, aren't we? Y'all, thank you very much for being with me here. That is the longest of our three chapters. That one was, let's see, a little over... I want to say that one was close to 6,000 words. The next one is a little north of four. And then the, the one after that is about five. So we got to keep on rolling, which means it's time for a bit of a break. Uh, I might take two five-minute breaks. I might... Ooh. I might be cheeky and take two five-minute breaks this time around. I'm going to take at least one right now. So, y'all, thank you very, very much for being here with me. But, of course, we've got a chatter break question to talk about, don't we? All right. So, we have got... I mean, <laughs> do, do we not know what is going to happen next? I feel like it would be kind of a cheese ball chatter break question to ask, huh, what's about to happen with Percy? <laughs> I think we can be fairly confident in what's going to happen next with Monsieur Perseus Jackson. I think we can feel fairly confident in that. Cheeky boy. Gems. <laughs> Flippin' Adventure says, this is amazing. I am glad. I'm glad you feel that way. Miss Messica says, that thunder was much, much better than Vacation Voice Thunder. Sorry, Sam. Hey, look, don't you get sassy on me or I'll bring back the, the vocal thunder. <laughs> cheeky oof oof i know i'm taking at least one so we need an actual chatter break question for right now don't forget folks big announcements three chapters tonight thank you very much to all of my patrons you are all wonderful we've got some new pit crew folks uh dahlia sander and gems Later on, we're going to be doing a side karaoke vote for whether or not we're going to use that as kind of a replacement for one of these streams. We're just going to slot it in at the same time, either next week or the week after that. And then finally, our next vintage sidecar book is going to be Murder on the Orient Express. And of course, don't forget, go over to the... Uh, we're probably going to be talking about it more later. I'm probably going to like take some actual time to, to fill in some things over on my spreadsheet here. Um, but don't forget... Book Fair. It's coming at the end of September, and as I mentioned, I got a, I got a, I got this calendar here. We got to fill this thing out, don't we? We do indeed. Okay, chatter break question, because I'm, I gotta, I gotta roll on tonight. I gotta roll. Um, I think, I think my best, I, I think that the best thing that we could talk about here is the the style at this moment. I want to talk a little bit about the style of, um, I'm getting a phone call from Tennessee. I want to talk about the style of, um, of, of this book and, and of the quests thus far. Uh, I want to know how y'all are feeling about, not just how y'all are feeling, but what have you identified as some pretty common traits? Cause I think, you know, one is just something happening. Two might be a coincidence, but three starts to be a pattern. Um, we're in our third book. And we've got kind of, we, we're starting to understand the structure of how we like to follow Percy Jackson in these books. And so I want to know what are sort of the highlights? What are, when you, when you, when someone asks you, what would you say is kind of the structure of how these missions work? How the, how the, the action is driven in these books? What would you say are some of the highlights of that? What would you tell someone who asks, what is the structure of one of these books? How does, how do they, how do they flow? Tell me about the missions. So that's what I want to know from you. I'll be back in five minutes. Uh, if you are over on Discord, regrettably, I'm not able to set up a timer for that. So you're not going to be able to see when I'm going to be back. However, if you are watching on Twitch, you will see the timer will be up on the screen. Five minutes. I will see you all in just a bit.
Hello, Twitch. Hi, Twitch. How are you? <laughs> I don't know why I launched in like that. That was a weird way to come back to it. Ew. How y'all doing? Kerfo says, I'm hoping Sam can find a way to get his YouTube following back. I'm mostly a YouTuber and can't always listen live. I usually save his videos for my me time when I can just relax and listen. Great for long car rides. Well, never you fear. That is one of our announcements for today. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole list again, but I will tell you that much. Um, Sidecar Stories is now on Spotify. How much? Well, just one single episode. It's my test episode, but it's on there. Sounds pretty good, which means that moving forward, uh, y'all are going to be able to find me over on Spotify, which is pretty exciting. Um, that... <laughs> <laughs> that was Rita, wasn't it? Yeah, Gems, it was Rita. That was Rita Skeeter right there. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, so you can find me over on uh, Spotify right now. I am, uh, I've am i only got one episode of one book. It is chapter one of The Great Gatsby just as a test. But you can find Vintage Sidecar over there. You'll be able to find Flying Sidecar. You'll be able to find Side Cannons pretty soon. I am excited about all of it. So, y'all, thank you a ton. Thank you for joining me here. And let's talk about that Chatterbreak question, because we got to keep rolling. Got to keep rolling on. Keep rolling on. And I think this actually came before I launched into my Chatterbreak question, but Orly Rose um, is bringing up kind of an, an interesting point here. Uh, responding to Luke, uh, Orly Rose says, The five-member quest was chosen. Uh, five hunters, two campers, and Percy talked to his mom uh, and saw a vision about Luke, Artemis, Annabeth, and a mystery voice. Without even intending to Orly Rose, just by, by giving the recap to Luke, um, indeed, we find some similarities between some of these chapters, uh, some, some patterns. For instance, uh, sort of people who are chosen to go on these things. Um, we find that there are visions involved often about, you know, um, about other people who are involved or about, um, you know, who should be involved, perhaps. And then, of course, mystery voices. We love those, don't we? Um, and all of this harkens back to that sort of that original mythic style. Um, there were many, many there are many examples of, you know, these the stories that this series is based off of the stories of myth of Perseus and uh, Hercules and all of these heroes. And many of them do take a similar sort of tone to this. And so I think it's a really cool way um, for uh, uh, for uh, Rick Riordan, Riordan. If I say it any way, someone's going to tell me it's a different way. So I'm just going to say uh, Ricky R, Ricky Boy R. There we go. That's <laughs> terrible is what it is. It shouldn't be that. I know that much. Um, but we've got some more things here. Let's see. What do we like? Uh, Luke has uh, offered no time to communicate. It's a very strong trope in his work. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we keep we keep we're we're right up to the wire always. Um, sometimes it's no time to communicate. Sometimes it's like an inability to communicate. Um, and this is something that, like in the era of cell phones, feels especially weird. Um, and you know, oftentimes, like it, it feels more weird here than even in some other series that uh, take place before this time but it is funny just that like yeah there's always this element of boy you could have saved yourself some trouble if you would just like uh, if you said a quick text message um orly rose says quest people get chosen other heroes are jealous and disobey yes this element of 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 pride perhaps but at the very least like you said jealousy sometimes i think it's pride driving it but there are, i think are other drivers as well this is definitely significant. This this plays a part. This desire of heroes to sort of be heroes. They they want their names sort of 
may, I don't know if it's up in lights or down in legend, but up, down, sideways, wherever it is, they want their name on this thing somehow. It seems to be one of the things that really links many of our characters together, because it doesn't matter which sort of demigod we've encountered here. Percy, Annabeth, Clarice, whichever one we talk to, they kind of want to make their... It, it's uh, There's a lot of ambition involved, and... Maybe it's just because I see it everywhere, you know? Every time we read, especially one of our... Um, uh, although less so with, with The Hobbit, I, I've seen in The Great Gatsby, I've seen it in Frankenstein, certainly in, in uh, Harry Potter with certain instances, there's just a lot of discussion of ambition. Ambition, desire to make a mark, to leave something lasting, a legacy of some sort. Jem says, always searching for the best member. Indeed. Moonlight says, I think Percy is super loyal to his friends, so when they're in trouble, he needs to go and help. Yes, and so that, that's a, a, a bit of a pattern as well, right? We, we know you could keep Percy busy by keeping Percy in trouble, but it's much easier to keep Percy busy if you keep his friends in trouble. Much easier. <laughs> um, and, you know, some of it, I think, that some of that sounds, I think, like it's a pretty, like... Percy-centric view of this universe, like, it all comes down to Percy. But, as with many prophecies and uh, series involving prophecy, kind of does, doesn't it? Comes down to two. Comes down to Percy or Talia. One of these two heroes that will turn 16 in the coming little bit here. Coming little little while. Kerfos, uh... Oh, sorry, Kerfos was talking about the YouTube. I think we already covered that one. Let's see... Luke says, Sometimes I've looked back at Wikipedia for different gods or goddesses in the books, and I realize how much information there is. So many of the gods have complicated, conflicting histories that uh, Reardon very nicely distilled into a real personality. He's great at turning the boring facts like God of X, Y, or Z, and making it uh, that god's funny tick or a central character flaw or whatever. Yet you can really see how he built um, so, much of, so much into these gods and spent a lot of time doing so. I think that's excellent, and uh, uh, as I mean, as usual, Luke, a great observation. You can count on Luke for this kind of stuff for sure. Um, but yeah, that's a it's a complicated process to try and distill so much information. Like if you were to try and um, you know, if you were to try and turn like imagine trying to write a Simpsons character now, not because they're they are necessarily you know uh, crazy crazy complicated. Simply there is so. Much that you would have to 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 sift through to understand who they are. So imagine trying to sort of rewrite one of the existing ones with it with one of them one with one of them deep deep histories you know all about. It takes a lot of digging. Imagine trying to uh, you know rewrite the Bible, but sort of in in modern day or or any one of the you know sort of ancient sacred texts. Um, because I think the, the line between, you know, sacred texts of different kinds and, uh, these, these myths here, I mean, these were sacred texts for certain people at one time, although text is a bit of a misnomer because they wouldn't have been written down in many cases that would have been more oral tradition, but I think you get the picture, you know, these are, these are, these are these deep, deep histories that people have been adding to and, and, uh, changing and altering over time. It's amazing that someone could take and absorb all of that and, put it into a character. I think watching Mr. D is a great example of this. Because um, Mr. D is, yes, the god of wine, and many of his sort of mannerisms stem from that, but there's more to it than that. 
And we're actually going to find out about that in just a little bit. So, y'all, I hope you enjoy. I hope you have enjoyed, frankly, already. And I hope you will continue to enjoy as we move on to Chapter 8, our shorty of the night. I make a dangerous promise. Just a moment. Got a little air bubble in my throat. There we go. We're all good. Blackjack gave me a ride down to the beach, and I have to admit, it was cool. Being on a flying horse, skimming over the waves at a hundred miles an hour with the wind in my hair and the sea spray in my face. Hey, I mean, it beats water skiing any day. Here. Blackjack slowed down and turned in a circle. Straight down. Thanks. I tumbled off of his back and plunged into the icy sea. I'd gotten more comfortable doing stunts like that in the past couple of years. I could pretty much move however I wanted to underwater, just by willing the ocean currents to change around me and propel me along. I could breathe underwater, no problem. And my clothes never got wet unless I wanted them to. I shot down into the darkness. Twenty... 30, 40 feet. The pressure wasn't uncomfortable. I'd never tried to push it, to see if there was a limit to how deep I could dive. I knew most regular humans couldn't go past 200 feet without crumpling like an aluminum can. I should have been blind, too, this deep in the water at night, but I could see the heat from living forms and the cold of the currents. It's hard to describe. It was not really like regular seeing, but I could tell where everything was. As I got closer to the bottom, I saw three hippocampi, fish-tailed horses, swimming in a circle above an overturned boat. The hippocampi were beautiful to watch. Their fish tails shimmered in gold. Their fish tails shimmered in rainbow colors, glowing phosphorescent. Their manes were white, and they were galloping through the water the way nervous horses do in a thunderstorm. Something was upsetting them. I got closer and saw the problem: a dark shape some kind of animal, was wedged halfway under the boat and tangled in a fishing net, one of those big nets they use on trawlers to catch everything at once. I hated those things. It was bad enough they drowned porpoises and dolphins, but they also occasionally caught mythological animals. When the nets got tangled, some lazy fishermen just cut them loose and let the trapped animals die. Apparently this poor creature had been mucking around at the bottom of the Long Island Sound and had somehow gotten itself tangled in the net in the sunken fishing boat. It had tried to get out and managed to get even more hopelessly stuck, shifting in the boat in the process. Now the wreckage of the hull, which was resting against a large rock, was teetering and threatening to collapse on top of the tangled animal. The hippocampi were f swimming around frantically, wanting to help but unsure how. One was trying to chew the net, but the hippocampi teeth aren't really meant for cutting rope. Hippocampi are really strong, but they don't have hands, and they're not... Shh. They're not all that smart. Just a moment, please. Still going. Okay, started to die down a little bit. Um, well, I've got the opportunity. I want to say thank you very much for the follow. Alter Ego Quake, it's good to have you here. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. Uh, 
Hippocampi are really strong, but they don't have hands, and they're not... <sighs> Shh, they're not all that smart. Free it, Lord, the hippocampus said when it saw me. The others joined in, asking the same thing. I swam in for a closer look at the tangled creature. At first I thought it was a young hippocampus. I'd rescued several of them before. But then I heard a strange sound, something that did not belong underwater. I got next to the thing and I saw it was a cow. I mean, I'd heard of sea cows, like manatees and stuff, but this really was a cow with the back end of a serpent. The front half was a calf, a baby with black fur and big, sad brown eyes and a white muzzle, and its back half was a black and brown snaky tail with fins running on top and the bottom, like an enormous eel. Whoa, whoa! Hey, little one, I said. Where did you come from? The creature looked at me sadly. But I couldn't understand its thoughts. I only speak hoarse. We don't know what it is, Lord, one of the hippocampi said. Many strange things are stirring. Yeah, I murmured. Yeah, so I've heard. I uncapped Riptide and the sword grew to full length in my hands, its bronze blade gleaming in the dark. The cow serpent freaked out and started struggling against the net, its eyes full of terror. Whoa, 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 I said. I'm not going to hurt you. Just let me cut the net. But the cow serpent thrashed around and got even more tangled. The boat started to tilt, stirring up the muck on the sea bottom and threatening to topple onto the cow serpent. The hippocampi whinnied in panic and thrashed in the water, which didn't help. Okay, 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 I said. I put the sword away and started speaking as calmly as I could to the hippocampi and the cow serpent and hoped that they would stop panicking. I didn't know if it was possible to get stampeded underwater, but I really didn't want to find out. It's cool. No sword. See? No sword. Okay. Calm thoughts. Seagrass. Mama cows. Vegetarianism. I doubted the cow serpent understood what I was saying, but it responded to the tone of my voice. The hippocampi were still skittish, but they stopped swirling around me quite so fast. Free it, Lord, they pleaded. Yeah, I said. Yeah, I got that part. I'm thinking. But how could I free the cow serpent when she... I decided it was probably a she... panicked at the sight of a blade. It was like she'd seen swords before and knew how dangerous they were. All right, I told the hippocampi. I need all of you to push exactly the way that I tell you. First, we started shifting the boat. It wasn't easy, but with the strength of three horsepower, we managed to shift the wreckage so it was no longer threatening to collapse on the baby cow serpent. When I went to work on the net, untangling it section by section, getting lead weights and fishing hooks straightened out, yanking out knots around the cow serpent's hooves, it took forever. I mean, it was worse than the time I'd had to untangle all my video game controller wires. The whole time, I kept talking to the cowfish, telling her everything was going to be okay while she mooed and moaned. It's okay, Bessie, I said. Don't, don't ask me why I started calling her that. It just seemed like a good cow name. Good cow. Nice cow. Finally, the net came off and the cow serpent zipped through the water and did a happy somersault. 
The hippocampi whinnied with joy. Thank you, Lord. The cow serpent nuzzled me and gave me the big brown eyes. Yeah, I said. That's okay. Nice cow. Well, stay out of trouble. Which reminded me, I'd been underwater how long? An hour at least. I had to get back to my cabin before Argus or the Harpies discovered I was breaking curfew. I shot back to the surface and broke through. Immediately, Black Jack zoomed down and let me catch hold of his neck. He lifted me into the air and took me back toward the shore. Success, boss? Yeah, we rescued a baby something or other. Took forever. Almost got stampeded. Good deeds are always dangerous, boss. You saved my sorry mane, didn't you? I couldn't help thinking about my dream. With Annabeth crumpled and lifeless in Luke's arms. Here I was, rescuing baby monsters, but I couldn't save my friend. As Black Jack flew back toward the cabin, I happened to glance at the dining pavilion. I saw a figure. The boy, hunkered down behind a Greek column, like he was hiding from someone. It was Nico, but it wasn't even dawn yet. Nowhere near time for breakfast. What was he doing up there? I hesitated. The last thing I wanted was more time for Nico to tell me about his mythomagic game, but something was wrong. I could tell by the way he was crouching. Hey, Blackjack, I said. You set me down over there, would you? Behind that column. I almost blew it. I was coming up the steps behind Nico. He didn't see me at all. He was behind a column, peeking around the corner, and all of his attention was focused on the dining area. I was five feet away from him, and I was about to say, What are you doing? real loud, when it occurred to me that I was... Well... Shoot. I was five feet away from him, and I was about to say, What are you doing? real loud, when it occurred to me that he was pulling a Grover. He was spying on the hunters. There were voices. Two girls talking at one of the dining tables. At this ungodly hour in the morning? Well, unless you're a goddess of dawn, I guess. I took Annabeth's magic cap out of my pocket and put it on. I didn't feel any different, but when I raised my arms, I couldn't see them. I was invisible. I crept up to Nico and sneaked around him. I couldn't see the girls very well in the dark, but I knew their voices. Zoe and Bianca. It sounded like they were arguing. It cannot be cured, Zoe was saying. Not quickly, at any rate. But how did it happen? Bianca asked. A foolish prank, Zoe growled. Those stole boys from the Hermes cabin? Centaur blood is like acid, everyone knows that. They sprayed the inside of that Artemis hunting tour t-shirt with it. That's terrible. She will live, Zoe said, but she'll be bedridden for weeks with horrible hives. There's no way that she can go. It is up to me and thee. But the prophecy, Bianca said, if Phoebe can't go, we'll only have four. We'll have to pick up another. There is no time. Zoe said. We must leave at first light. That's immediately. Besides, 
The prophecy did say we would lose one. In the land without rain, Bianca said, but that can't be here. It might be, Zoe said, but she didn't sound convinced. The camp has magic borders. Nothing, not even weather, is allowed through it without permission. It could be a land without rain. But, Bianca, hear me. Zoe's voice was strained. I, I can't explain, but I have a sense that we should not pick someone else. It would be too dangerous. They would meet an end worse than Phoebe's. I don't want Chiron choosing a camper as our fifth companion, and I don't want to risk another hunter. Bianca was silent. You should tell Talia the rest of your dream. No, it will not help. But if your suspicions are correct about the general... I have thy word not to talk about that, Zoe said. She sounded really anguished. We will find out soon enough. Come now, dawn is breaking. Nico scooted out of her way. She was faster than me. Shoot. Nico scooted out of their way. He was faster than me. As the girls sprinted down the steps, Zoe almost ran into me. She froze, her eyes narrowing. Her hand crept toward her bow. Then Bianca said, The lights of the big house are on. Hurry! And Zoe followed her out of the pavilion. I could tell what Nico was thinking. He took a deep breath and was about to run after his sister when I took off the invisibility cap and said, Wait! He almost slipped on the icy steps as he spun around to find me. Where did you come from? I've been here the whole time, invisible. He mouthed the word, Invisible. Wow. Cool. How did you know Zoe and your sister were here? He blushed. I heard them walk by the Hermes cabin. I don't... I don't sleep too well at the camp. So I heard footsteps and them whispering, so I kind of followed. And now you're thinking about following them on the quest, I guessed. How did you know that? Well, because if it were my sister, I'd probably be thinking the same thing. But you can't. He looked defiant. Because I'm so young? Because they won't let you. They'll catch you and they'll send you back here. And... Yeah, because you're too young. You remember that manticore? It's going to be a lot more like that. More dangerous. Some of the heroes are going to die. His shoulders sagged. He shifted from foot to foot. Maybe you're right. But you can go for me. You say what? You can turn invisible. You can go. The hunters don't like boys, I reminded him. If they find out, don't let them find out. Follow them invisibly. Keep an eye on my sister. You have to. Please. Nico, they're planning to go anyway. You're planning to go, aren't you? I wanted to say no, but he looked me in the eyes and somehow I couldn't lie to him. Yeah, I said. I have to find Annabeth. I have to help, even if they don't want me to. I won't tell on you, he said. But you have to promise to keep my sister safe. I... Yeah, that's a big thing to promise, Nico, on a trip like this. 
Besides, she's got Zoe and Grover and Talia. Promise, he insisted. I'll do my best. I promise that. Get going, then, he said. Good luck. It was crazy. I wasn't packed. I had nothing but the cap and the sword and the clothes I was wearing. I was supposed to be going home to Manhattan this morning. Tell Chiron, I'll make something up. Nico smiled crookedly. I'm good at that. Go on. I ran, putting on Annabeth's cap. As the sun came up, I turned invisible. I hit the top of Half-Blood Hill in time to see the camp's van disappearing down the farm road. Probably Argus, taking the group into the city. After that, they would be on their own. I felt a twinge of guilt. Stupidity, too. How was I supposed to keep up with them? Run? Then I heard the beating of huge wings. Blackjack landed next to me. He began casually nuzzling a few tufts of grass that stuck through the ice. If I was guessing, boss, I would say that you need a getaway horse. Are you interested? A lump of gratitude stuck in my throat, but I managed to say, Yeah, let's fly. And there we have it, folks. The end of our second chapter. Remember, we had a long one, a short one, and then a medium one coming up next. Sort of a Goldilocks situation, you know. You know how it is. Just right. Not too big, not too small. Everyone, I hope you have enjoyed thus far, as I always do. And now, I want to see what chat has been up to. I just want to see what y'all have been talking about, frankly. Um, let's see. Some love for Blackjack. I like, I like that we're liking Blackjack. How you doing, boss? Yeah, I think Blackjack will be a lot of fun. I hope we get to see more of him. Sanders says he's getting smart to not make promises he can't keep. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, Sanders. So Percy is out here. You know, typically he'd be like, "Oh yeah, of course, I'll I'll do. I'll do the most. I'll protect him with my life. I'll I'll definitely be able to save them." But no, it does seem like Percy is learning a bit, right? He's learning. Uh, Maybe don't make promises like that. Is it doing anyone any good? I Frankly, I can't tell you yes or no, but um, it seems like Percy has come to the conclusion maybe it's better to sort of give people more realistic expectations. I don't know. We shall have to find out. So, everybody, I hope you are... Uh, I hope you're enjoying this one quite a bit. Jem says he's flying with a horse. Uh... <laughs> Moonlight says, wait, the blood of a centaur? Uh, that's not how Hercules dies, is it? Uh, Dahlia says, Zoe sounds awfully suspicious. Yeah, it seems like Zoe knows something, right? Zoe knows something different, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a similar sort of thing to what um, what Percy is getting through his dreams. Doesn't it seem that way? And I know I promised more information about uh, Mr. D. That's going to be next chapter. It's coming. It's on its way. Dahlia says, you're full of well-timed jokes today. Yeah, I saw those, by the way. Uh, is it Flippin' Adventures? Is that who it was? Yeah, for Moo Maid. First of all, despicable. Moo Maid, how dare you do this <laughs> in my home where I keep all these books? Moo Maid. And then Bessie should have been Bassie. 
I think I think a, a begrudging round of applause for Flippin' Adventures. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Despicable. <laughs> Y'all, this has been a lot of fun. I'm going to take another quick break. Uh, let me get the AC on. Ooh, ooh. Mm, just, uh, just a nice little bit of... Nice little beep beep. Nice little bit of cool air. Love to see it. Y'all, I'm going to be back. Uh, I'm going to take like a three minute break this time. I just need a moment to sort of like rest my voice, etc. Um, so I will see you all in three minutes. But first, a quick chatter break question. Something to get back to immediately after I arrive back. Um, let's see. What do we want to talk about? What kind of chat right question? Let's see what chat has been about here. Jem uh, says Percy dreams too much for a normal half blood. Possibly. We don't. I don't know that we've got like a ton of uh, comparison, a ton of context. Dahlia says uh, might have to be the fact that horses are in Neptune's domain and it affords some protection. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Plague Deity was wondering. I might have missed it, but why can Percy fly with Blackjack? I thought Zeus would get mad. Yeah, there is this idea that um, I, I want. I want to say there was an explicit mention of it. Just that, like, yeah, this is a horse thing. So technically, it would be like <laughs> it would be kind of a direct affront if uh, uh, Zeus were to try and zap uh, Percy out of the sky. But then again. I, is it more of an affront to zap a horse out of the sky than it is to zap the dude's son out of the sky? I don't know. I'm not going to say it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Vane says, Pegasi were made from sea foam, so it mixes water and air. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Sanders says, hopefully that person that gets lost in the place uh, has no... Oh, excuse me. Hopefully the person that gets lost in the place with no rain is the camp... Uh, uh, is the camp because the chance that one of our main characters will die is really high. Yeah, you kind of hope so, right? You gotta hope that's how it—that's how the math is gonna turn out. But do we think it is? I don't. Not really. I'm sorry. I think that's a good chatter break question. What do we think? Ooh, got a little squeaky there. What do we think we're referencing with that uh, with that bit of poetry? Especially the. Um, the the god that will strike the 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 demigod well i guess we do, it's not necessarily confirmed that it's a demigod the um uh the person who is going to be struck down by their own parent by their godly parent and the person who's going to be lost and like left behind in the land without rain what do we think those are in reference to so, those are our Chatterbreak questions. I shall be taking your answers as soon as I come back. I want to say thank you very much to our patrons. I just got a new one uh, as we were talking, and I want to thank you very much. So, let me pull the name on that. Um, uh, Amy. Amy Thompson, thank you very, very much. Delightful. Thank you for joining uh, over on the Patreon. If y'all are wondering how to find your way over there, you can find that link right here. That is also the one to share around if you want to share the show, because of course my name is Sam, this is Sidecar Stories, but not everybody knows that. And we got to make sure everyone knows that. I'm joking, but it would be great to have more and more folks in here. Y'all, I will see you all in three minutes this time. Quick one. Three minutes. Go get your snacks. Go use the restroom. Go get, you, go get some snacks, boss. Big old bowl of cheese puffs. I'll see you in three minutes. And hello to Twitch. How y'all doing? Welcome back. A quick little break. Let's just launch right in, methinks, yes? Methinks, yes? 
Kevin says it's 4 a.m. here, people. Yeah, it's a tough one. I wish there was a better time that I could stream some of these things, but this is the time when it falls. Sandra says, turn up the brightness of the screen. That always helps me stay awake. Uh, 4 a.m.? Yes, indeed. Yep, it's 4 a.m. for uh, for Gems, for Sander. Uh, we've got a, got a few people across the pond who, who really are dedicated to this. So, y'all, thank you very much, as always. Um, so, everyone everyone let's see what we said what do we think about these prophecies especially the ones that re resulting in the loss of a uh, of, a, of a, a character here i don't know friend foe who knows xander says there are more places without rain besides camp and hell yes indeed okay i think i missed some stuff here okay yep let's see um Fubin adventure says isn't it interesting that annabeth's cap of oh good lord isn't it interesting that is elizabeth's Apparently my break wasn't long enough. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Mumble mouth. Come on. Come on. You can do it, Sam. Flippin' Adventures says, Isn't it interesting that Annabeth's cap of invisibility works on Percy? Wonder if his sword pen would work on someone else. Hmm. I did it! Everyone, I got through it. I want to thank my family. I want to thank all the fans out there. I want to thank uh, the commission. Uh, everyone who's uh, helped me out so much along the way. Really want to thank the uh, the vets. Helped me out while I was a rookie. Good grief. Finally got through the dang thing. Okay. Muffin Man says the ocean. Okay. Interesting. I like that take. Vane says the deserts. Certainly a good possibility. Um, Gems says struck down does not have to mean die. And that is another interesting perspective. I kind of like that. Okay. And y'all... I know it seems like we might be digging in too deep with this prophecy, but when you get to prophecy in literature, you are almost always looking for loopholes. I think this is pretty consistent throughout most of literature, even going back to the very classic stuff. Um, it was about sort of the, it was about fate being tricksy. At the end of the day, it was about it was about sort of destiny and prophecy. All of that just sort of conspiring to sort of make your life more difficult. It was um I don't know if I would necessarily call it like a pessimistic as much as just a mischievous and sort of like uh, goofy view of the world. Uh, I should say it seems goofy, but um, it's interesting, right? It's interesting that the way that they looked at the world. Um, and by they, I mean uh, you know people who had adhered to this myth as their their worldview. Um, it's interesting that they would look at the world and they don't, you know, the, the big thing that it seems like they always see is, is not justice, certainly not justice, right? It's funny because I think in a modern, uh, sort of m many more modern religions look at justice as kind of like a, a core operating tenant uh, in some way uh, of how the world operates. And I think at this, in this era, it seems like they really had this idea that sort of like mischief and like c'est la vie and um, just like twists of fate. It seemed like if, if you had a fate, it was going to be twisted. It seems like a, a lot of their discussion, a lot of their way of looking at the world was this idea that like, hey, don't try to plan anything because everything's going to be a twist. Gems, I think, sums it up pretty nicely. It says, prophecy always consisted of riddles in time past. It's always riddles and twists and, and yeah, it's it, that's their way of looking at the world. These are fun stories to read, but, you know, also these were ways that people looked at the world. They were distillations of ideas and philosophies and um, um, 
generally just ways of looking at the world around them, ways of interpreting that. And so when this discussion of the, the mischief of prophecy or what has you, what has you? Mischief, prophecy, or what has you? When it comes up, it's important. It's significant to the way that they looked at the world. And it's really funny to see how that uh, manifests in a more modern day setting. And with that, y'all, I think a bit of review. Just for anyone who is joining us pretty late tonight, everyone, my name is Sam, this is Sidecar, I welcome you. It's good to see you, come on in. It's, uh, you know, I'm going to make you a, I'm going to read you a story you can't refuse. Chapter 7 and 8. Chapter 7, uh, I believe everyone hates me but the horse. Yep, and then chapter 8, I make a dangerous promise. Chapter 7, everyone hates me but the horse. Um, chapter 7 is really mostly about uh, the, the sort of the... The meeting that happens after the oracle comes out and says what the oracle done says, which I will remind you all, because it's part of our present discussion as well. Five shall go west to the goddess in chains. One shall be lost in the land without rain. The bane of Olympus shows the trail. Campers and hunters combined prevail. The titan's curse must one withstand, and one shall perish by a parent's hand. The oracle says all this, drops unconscious on the floor like a sack of so many uh, heavenly taters, and now everyone is left to decide what on earth that could possibly mean. Because one thing you never get is a prophecy that's like, hey, there's a bunch of stuff happening, but just... Ah, don't worry about it. Ah, just chill. Pull yourself a Dionysus, pull yourself a beanbag chair up to the table... Pop on a few episodes of Black Mirror and just chill, dog. It's never that. It's always, here's something absolutely baffling that's totally, totally inherent to your survival. I picked the wrong word. That's okay. This is going to be vitally important and totally baffling. <laughs> it's like, it's like trying, it's like if all, if it's like if all of the, um, uh, fortune cookies that you ever got were things like, if you don't seek the one whose dreams have come to truth in the stadium of battle, you shall perish this very eve. What? Excuse me? It's all incredibly baffling and totally, totally important that you do something about it right now, right now. So, they have to have a meeting about this. Chiron, Mr. D, Talia... Uh, Grover, Percy, Zoe, uh, and I will remind you all that Zoe is uh, one of the huntresses, kind of the lieutenant, the person who seems to be in charge while um, the goddess Artemis is away. Um, at the end of the day, a bunch of people volunteer for this mission. Obviously, five people are supposed to go, so... Zoe is insisting that, uh, you know, she kind of gets to choose. That seems fairly reasonable. Dionysus is of no help. Chiron is trying to be helpful, but essentially the the ideas that um that Dionysus has even he says like yeah i mean i've got a few ideas but it can't be these things i don't know what this is all about um so grover of course volunteers to go with the huntresses and uh there needs to be maybe a a decent balance of of campers as well so talia is going along um Let's see, Zoe's going to pick Bianca in kind of a surprise move, and then Phoebe, she's the best tracker. So let's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, and wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Percy's not up in the mix. He offers to go, but 
Zoe kind of shuts him down and uh, says that she's not going to bring any boys with from camp. Well, what about Grover? Eh, he's a satyr, not really a boy. It's kind of convoluted, but this is the tally we end up with. Grover, Talia, Zoe, Bianca, Phoebe. Good night, Louise. It's been lovely. Have an excellent evening. Uh, and to anyone else who is checking out for the evening, y'all are great, and I will see y'all later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Gem says, uh, rightly, when is Mr. D ever helpful? It's an excellent question. So, um, moving <laughs> moving through all of this, that's the number we get. But then the very next chapter, as Percy is called out by uh, some hippocampi to come save a, a creature under the ocean, it's kind of an odd one. It's like a cow on the front half, like a little, a little baby cow. And then on the back half, it's like a big sea serpent. Kind of a weird combo, but arriving back at camp, he finds Nico D'Angelo spying on Zoe. And Zoe is talking to Bianca about how basically the Stoll brothers pulled a big old prank. Uh, and Phoebe is pretty sick now. So Phoebe can't go, which means it's going to bring their number down to four. But Zoe says, A, no, we're not going to pick up anybody else. And it's Bianca, stop, 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 stop. We're not going to talk about this thing that I am suspicious about regarding Artemis. We're not going to talk about that. Not to anyone. we got to go in the morning. We're not picking up anybody new. No more hunters. No more campers. We're going as four, even though the prophecy said five. Hmm. Kind of a suspicious move from Zoe, if you ask me. Nico and Percy both managed to overhear this conversation. Seems like Nico is going to try and follow them, but... Percy convinces him not to in exchange for a promise. Percy himself is going to follow this quadro, this this quad, what is it, quartet, there we go. Percy himself is going to follow this quartet and he promises Nico he will do whatever he can to keep Bianca safe. That's the dangerous promise. That's the end of our review. And that's the way the crookie crumbles. I said crookie. Dang it. Chapter 9. I learned how to grow zombies. Oh, the beeping done begun. Good luck, y'all. Good luck. You can hear the beeping in the background. I just, I wish you sanity. The thing about flying on a Pegasus during the daytime is that if you're not careful, you can cause a serious traffic accident on the Long Island Expressway. I had to keep blackjack up in the clouds, which were fortunately pretty low in the winter. We darted around trying to keep Camp Half-Blood, uh, oh, excuse me. We darted around trying to keep the white Camp Half-Blood van in sight. And if it was cold on the ground, it was seriously cold in the air with the icy rain stinging my skin. I was wishing I'd brought some of that Camp Half-Blood orange thermal underwear they sold at the camp store, but after the story about Phoebe and the Centaur Blood t-shirt, I wasn't so sure I trusted their products anymore. We lost the van twice, but I had a pretty good sense that they would go to Manhattan first, so it wasn't too difficult to pick up their trail again. Traffic was bad with the holidays and all. It was mid-morning before we got into the city. I landed Blackjack near the top of the Chrysler building and watched the white camp van, thinking it would pull into the bus station. But it just kept going. Where is Argus taking them? I muttered. Oh, Argus isn't driving, boss, Blackjack told me. That girl is. Which girl? The hunter girl, the one with the silver crown thing in her hair. Zoe? 
That's the one. Hey, look, there's a donut shop. Can we get something to go? I tried explaining to Blackjack that taking a flying horse to a donut shop would give every cop in there a heart attack, but he didn't seem to get it. Meanwhile, the van kept sneaking its way toward the London Tunnel. It had never even occurred to me that Zoe could drive. I mean, she didn't look 16, and again, she was immortal. I wondered if she had a New York driver's license, and if so, what her birth date said. Well, I said, let's get after him. We were about to leap off the Chrysler building when Blackjack whinnied in alarm and almost threw me. Something was curling around my leg like a snake. I reached for my sword, but when I looked down, there was no snake. Vines. Grape vines had sprouted from the cracks between the stones of the building. They were wrapped around Blackjack's legs, lashing down my ankles so we... My ankles, excuse me. They were wrapped around Blackjack's legs, lashed down my ankles so we couldn't move. Oh, are you going somewhere? Mr. D asked. He was leaned against the building with his feet levitating in the air. His leopard skin warm-up suit and black hair whipping around in the wind. God alert! Blackjack yelled. It's the wine dude! <sighs> Mr. D sighed in exasperation. The next person, or horse, what calls me the wine dude? Gonna end up in a bottle of Merlot. Mr. D? I tried to keep my voice calm as the grapevines continued to wrap around my legs. What do you want? Okay, yeah. What do I want? You thought, perhaps, that the immortal, all-powerful director of camp would not notice you leaving without permission. Well, uh, maybe. Uh, I should throw you off the building. Oh, uh, I should throw you off the building minus the flying horse. See how heroic you sound on the way down. I balled up my fists. I knew I should keep my mouth shut, but Mr. D was about to kill me or haul me back to the camp in shame. I couldn't stand either idea. Why do you hate me so much? What did I ever do to you? <laughs> You're a hero, boy. Purple flames flickered in his eyes. I don't need no other reason. I have to go on this quest. I've got to help my friends. That's something you wouldn't understand. Eh, uh, boss? Blackjack said nervously. Seeing as I were trapped in vines 900 feet in the air, you might want to talk nice. The grapevines coiled tighter around me. Below us, the white van was getting further and further away. Soon, it would be out of sight. Did I ever tell you about Ariadne? Mr. D asked. Beautiful young princess of Crete. She liked helping her friends too. In fact, she helped a young hero named Theseus. Also a son of Poseidon, gave him a ball of magical yarn to let him find his way out of the labyrinth. You know how Theseus rewarded her? The answer I wanted to give was, I don't care, but I didn't figure that would make Mr. D finish his story any faster. They got married, I said. Happily ever after, the end. Mr. D sneered. And not quite, um... Theseus said that he would marry her. 
He took her aboard his ship and sailed for Athens. Halfway back, the island called Naxos, he... Oh, what's the word that your mortals use today? He dumped her. I found her there, you know. Alone. Heartbroken. Crying her eyes out. She'd given up everything. Left everything behind to help a dashing young hero who tossed her away like a broken sandal. That's wrong, I said. But that was a thousand years ago. What's that got to do with me? Mr. D regarded me coldly. I fell in love with Ariadne, boy. I healed her broken heart. And when she died, I made her my immortal wife on Olympus. She waits for me even now. I should go back to her when I'm done with this infernal century of punishment at your ridiculous camp. I stared at him. You're... you're married? But I thought you got in trouble for chasing her, wouldn't it? My point is that you heroes never change. You accuse us gods of being vain. You should look at yourselves. You take what you want. You use whoever you got to, and then you betray everyone around you. So you'll excuse me if I've got no love for heroes. They're a selfish, ungrateful lot. Ask Ariadne. Or Medea. Or for that matter, ask Zoe Nightshade. What do you mean, ask Zoe? He waved his hand dismissively. Go on, follow your silly friends. The vines uncurled around my legs. I blinked in disbelief. You're, you're just letting me go? Just like that? The prophecy says at least two of you are going to die. Perhaps I'll get lucky and you'll be one of them. But you mark my words, son of Poseidon, live or die. You'll prove no better than the other heroes. With that, Dionysus snapped his fingers. His image folded up like a paper display. There was a... And he was gone. Leaving a faint scent of grapes that was quickly blown away by the wind. It was too close, Blackjack said. I nodded, though I would have almost been less worried if Mr. D had hauled me back to camp. The fact that he let me go meant he really believed we stood a fair chance of crashing and burning in this quest. Hey, come on, Blackjack, I said, trying to sound upbeat. I'll buy you some donuts in New Jersey. As it turned out, I didn't buy blackjack donuts in New Jersey. Zoe drove south like a crazy person. We were in Maryland before she finally pulled over to a rest stop. Blackjack darn near tumbled out of the sky. He was so tired. I'll be okay, boys. <sighs> he panted. Just, uh, just catching my breath. <sighs> you stay here, I told him. I'm going to go out to scout. Stay here. I can handle that. I can do that. I put on my cap of invisibility and walked over to the convenience store. It was difficult not to sneak. I had to keep reminding myself nobody could see me. 
It was hard, too, because I could remember to get out of people's way so they wouldn't slam into me. I thought I'd go inside and warm up, maybe get a cup of hot chocolate or something. I had a little change in my pocket. I could leave it on the counter. I was wondering if the cup would turn invisible when I picked it up, or if I'd have to deal with a floating hot chocolate problem when my whole plan was ruined by Zoe, Talia, Bianca, and Grover, all coming out of the store. Grover, are you sure? Talia was saying. Well, pretty sure. Ninety-nine percent. Okay, eighty-five percent. And you did this with acorns? Bianca asked, like she couldn't believe it. Grover looked offended. It's a time-honored tracking spell. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I did it right. DC is about 60 miles from here, Bianca said. Nico and I... She frowned. We used to live there. That's... that's strange. I had forgotten. I dislike this, Zoe said. We should go straight west. The prophecy said west. Oh, like your tracking skills or any better? Talia growled. Zoe stepped toward her. You challenge my skills, you scallion. You know nothing of being a hunter. Oh, scallion? You're calling me a scallion? What the heck is a scallion? Whoa, 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 you do, Grover said nervously. Come on, not again. Grover's right, Bianca said. DC is our best bet. Zoe didn't look convinced, but she nodded reluctantly. Very well. Let us keep moving. You're going to get us arrested, driving, Talia grumbled. I look closely sixteen and you do. Perhaps, Zoe snapped, but I've been driving since automobiles were invented. Let us go. As Blackjack and I continued south, following the van, I wondered whether Zoe had been kidding. I didn't know exactly when cars were invented, but I figured that was like prehistoric times, back when people watched black and white TV and hunted dinosaurs. How old was Zoe, and what had Mr. D been talking about? What bad experience did she have with heroes? As we got closer to Washington, Black Back... Black... <laughs> As we got closer to Washington, Black Jack started slowing down again and dropped altitude. He was breathing heavily. Are you okay? I asked him. You're fine, boss. I could, uh... I could take out an army. <sighs> you don't sound so good. And suddenly I felt guilty because I'd been running the Pegasus for half a day, non-stop, trying to keep up with highway traffic. Even for a flying horse, that had to be rough. Don't worry about me, boss. I'm a tough one. <sighs> I figured he was right, but I also figured Blackjack would run himself into the ground before he complained. And I didn't want that. Finally, the van started to slow down. It crossed the Potomac River into central Washington. I started thinking about air patrols and missiles and stuff like that. I didn't know exactly how those defenses worked, and I wasn't sure if Pegasi even showed up on your typical military radar, but I didn't want to find out by getting shot out of the sky. Just send me down right here, I told Blackjack. That's close enough. Blackjack was so tired he didn't complain. He dropped toward the Washington Monument and set me on the grass. The van was only a few blocks away. Zoe had parked at the curb. I looked at Blackjack. 
I want you to go back to camp. Go get some rest, graze. I'll be fine. Blackjack cocked his head skeptically. Are you sure, boss? You've done enough already, I said. I'll be fine. And thanks a ton. Yeah, a ton of hay, maybe, Blackjack mused. That sounds all good. All right, but be careful, boss. I got a feeling they didn't come here to meet anything friendly and handsome like me. I promised to be careful, and Blackjack took off circling twice around the monument before disappearing into the clouds. I looked over at the white van. Everybody was getting out. Grover pointed toward one of the big buildings lining the mall. Talia nodded, and the four of them trudged off into the cold wind. I started to follow, but then I froze. A block away, the door of a black sedan opened. A man with gray hair and a military buzz cut got out. He was wearing dark shades and a black overcoat. Now, maybe in Washington you'd expect to see guys like that everywhere, but it dawned on me I'd seen this same car a couple of times on the highway going south. It had been following the van. This guy took out his mobile phone and said something into it. Then he looked around like he was making sure the coast was clear and started walking down the mall in the direction of my friends. The worst of it was, when he turned toward me, I recognized his face. It was Dr. Thorne, the manticore from Westover Hall. Invisibility cap on, I followed Thorne from a distance. My heart was pounding. If he had survived the fall from the cliff, then Annabeth must have, too. My dreams had been right. She'd been alive and held a prisoner. Thorne kept well back from my friends, careful not to be seen. Finally, Grover stopped in front of a big building that said National Air and Space Museum. The Smithsonian. I'd been here a million years ago with my mom, but everything looked so much bigger then. Talia checked the door. It was open, but there weren't many people going in. Too cold, and school was out of session. They slipped inside. Dr. Thorne hesitated. I wasn't sure why, but he didn't go into the museum. He turned and headed across the mall. I made a split-second decision and followed him. Thorne crossed the street and climbed up the steps of the Museum of Natural History. There was a big sign on the door. At first I thought it said, Closed for Pirate Event! And then I realized Pirate must have been private. I followed Dr. Thorne inside, through a huge chamber full of mastodons and dinosaur skeletons. There were voices up ahead, coming from behind a set of closed doors. Two guards stood outside. They opened the doors for Thorne and had to sprint inside. They opened the doors for Thorne and I had to sprint to get inside before they closed again. Inside, what I saw was so terrible I almost gasped out loud, which probably would have gotten me killed. It was a huge round room, with a balcony ringing the second level. At least a dozen mortal guards stood on the balcony, plus two monsters, reptilian women with double snake trunks instead of legs. I'd seen them before. Annabeth had called them Scythian Dracane. But that wasn't the worst of it. Standing between the snake women, I could swear he was looking straight down at me, was my old enemy, Luke.
He looked terrible. His skin was pale and his blonde hair looked almost gray like he'd aged ten years in just a few months. The angry light in his eyes was still there. And so was the scar right down the side of his face where the dragon had once scratched him. But the scar was now ugly red, as though it had been recently reopened. Next to him, sitting down so that the shadows covered him, was another man. All I could see were his knuckles on one of the gilded arms of the chair, like a throne. Okay, you'll have to excuse me for just a moment. My voice changer is, like, frozen up. What's with that? Just a moment, everyone. I'm sorry. I apologize. All right, voice mod. What are we doing? I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you working for me. Let's see. What happens here? Nope, that's not the one. What's the way? What's the deal? What gives? Eh? Okay, well, not what I expected, nor what I had hoped. Voice mod, how dare you? Why, uh, how are you going to do this to me during the daughter? What? During the daughter? On, the, on this the day of my daughter's wedding. Okay, let's see. I'll just, I'll just have to cheese it. Well? Asked the man in the chair. His voice was just like the one I'd heard in my dream. Not as creepy as Kronos, but certainly not the sort of thing you wanted to hear late at night. It was deeper, stronger, like the earth itself was shaking. It filled the whole room, even though he wasn't yelling. Dr. Thorne took off his shades. His two-colored eyes, brown and blue, glittered with excitement. He made a stiff bow, then spoke in his weird French accent. They are here, General. I know that, you fool, boomed the man. But where? In the Rocket Museum. It's the Air and Space Museum, Luke corrected irritably. Dr. Thorne glared at Luke. As you say, sir. I got the feeling Thorne would just as soon impale Luke with one of his spikes than call him sir. How many? Luke asked. Thorne pretended not to hear. How many? The general demanded. Four, general, Thorne said. The satyr, Grover Underwood, the girl with the spiky black hair and the, how do you say, punk clothes and the horrible shield. Talia, Luke said. And uh, two other girls, hunters, they were a silver socket. That one I know, the general growled. Everyone in the room shifted uncomfortably. Let me take him, Luke said to the general. We got more than enough patience, the general said. 
They all have their hands full already. I've sent a little playmate to keep them occupied. But... We cannot risk you, my boy. Yes, boy, Dr. Thorne said with a cruel smile. You are much too fragile to risk. Let me finish them off. No, said the general as he rose from his chair, and I got my first real look at him. He was tall and muscular, with light brown skin and slicked back dark hair. He wore an expensive brown suit like the guys on Wall Street wear, but you'd never mistake this dude for a broker. He had a brutal face, huge shoulders, and hands that could snap a flagpole in half. His eyes were like stone. I felt as if I were looking at a living statue. It was amazing he could even move. You have already failed me, Thorn, he said. But, uh, General... No excuses, Thorn flinched. I thought Thorn was scary when I first saw him in his black uniform at the military academy, but now, standing before the general, Thorn looked like a silly wannabe soldier. The general was the real deal. He didn't need a uniform. He was a born commander. I should throw you to the pits of Tartarus for your incompetence, the general said. I send you to capture a child of the three elder gods, and you bring me a scrawny daughter of Athena. But you promised me revenge, Thorn protested. A command of my own. I am Lord Kronos's senior commander, the general said. And I will choose lieutenants who get me results. It was only thanks to Luke that we salvaged our plan and all. Now get out of my sight, Thorn, until I find some other menial task for you. Thorn's face turned purple with rage. I thought he was going to start frothing at the mouth or shooting spines, but he just bowed awkwardly and left the room. Now, my boy... The general turned to Luke. First thing we must do is to isolate the half-blood Talia. The monster we seek will then come to her. The hunters are going to be difficult to dispose of, Luke said. Zoe Nightshade. Do not speak her name. Luke swallowed. I'm uh, sorry, General. I just... Uh... The General silenced him with a wave of his hand. Let me show you, my boy, how we will bring the hunters down. He pointed to a guard on the ground level. Do you have the teeth? The guy stumbled forward with a ceramic pot. Um, yes, General. Plant them, he said. In the center of the room was a big circle of dirt, where I guess a dinosaur exhibit was supposed to go. I watched nervously as the guard took sharp white teeth out of the pot and put them in the soil. He smoothed them over while the general smiled coldly. The guard stepped back from the dirt and wiped his hands. Ready, general. Excellent. Water them, and we will let the scent of their prey. That wasn't quite it. Excellent. Water them, 
we will let them sink to their prey. The guard picked up a little tin watering can with daisies painted on it, which was kind of bizarre because what he poured out wasn't water. It was dark red liquid, and I got the feeling it wasn't Hawaiian punch. The soil began to bubble. Soon, the general said, I will show you, Luke, soldiers that will make your army from that little boat look insignificant. Luke clenched his fists. I've been training my forces for a year. When the Princess Andromeda arrives at the mountain, they'll be the best... <laughs> the general said. I don't deny your troops will make you a fine honor guard for Lord Kronos. And you, of course, will have a role to play. I thought Luke turned paler when the general said that. But under my leadership, the forces of Lord Kronos will increase a hundredfold. We will be unstoppable. Behold my ultimate killing machines! The soil erupted. I stepped back nervously. In each spot where a tooth had been planted, a creature was struggling out of the dirt. The first of them said, It was a kitten. A little orange tabby with stripes like a tiger. Then another appeared, until there were a dozen rolling around and playing in the dirt. Everyone stared at them in disbelief. The general roared, What is this? Cute, cuddly kittens! Where did you get those teeth? The guard who had brought the teeth cowered in fear. From the exhibit, sir, just like you said, the saber-toothed tiger... No, you idiot! I said the Tyrannosaurus! Gather up those... Those infernal fuzzy little beasts and take them outside. Never let me see your face again. The terrified guard dropped his watering can. He gathered up the kittens and scampered out of the room. You, the general pointed to another guard. Get me the right teeth now. The new guard ran off to carry out his orders. Imbeciles muttered the general. This is why I don't use mortals, Luke said. They're unreliable. They are weak-minded, easily bought, and violent, the general said. I love them. A minute later, the guard hustled into the room. A minute later, the guard hustled into the room with his hands full of large, pointy teeth. Excellent, the guard the general said. All right, I'm losing it a little bit. It's a lot of voice mod stuff. <laughs> how down, how down. Excellent, the general said. He climbed into the balcony railing and jumped down 20 feet. Where he landed, the marble floor cracked under his leather shoes. He stood, wincing, and rubbed his shoulders. Curse my stiff neck. Another hot pad, sir, a guard said. More Tylenol. No, it will pass. The general brushed off his silk suit and then snatched up the teeth. I shall do this myself. 
He held up one of the teeth and smiled. Dinosaur teeth. <laughs> These foolish mortals don't even know when they have dragon teeth in their possession. And not just any dragon teeth. These come from the ancient Sybaris herself. They shall do nicely. He planted them in the dirt. Twelve in all. Then he scooped up the watering can. He sprinkled the soil with the red liquid, tossed the can away, and held his arms out wide. Rise. The dirt trembled. A single skeletal hand shot out of the ground, grasping at the air. The general looked up at the balcony. Quickly, do you have the scent? Yes. One of the snake ladies said she took out a sash of silvery fabric like the kind the hunters wore. Excellent, the general said. Once my warriors know its scent, they will pursue its owner relentlessly. Nothing can stop them. No weapons known to half-blood or hunter. They will tear the hunters and their allies to shreds. Toss it here! As he said that, skeletons erupted from the ground. There were twelve of them, one for each of the tooth... Rats. There were twelve of them, one for each tooth the general had planted. They were nothing like Halloween skeletons, or the kind you might see in cheesy movies. These were growing flesh as I watched, turning into men, but men with dull gray skin, yellow eyes, and modern clothes, gray muscle shirts, camo pants, and combat boots. If you didn't look too closely, they looked like they could almost be human, but their flesh was transparent and their bones shimmered underneath like x-ray images. One of them looked straight at me, regarding me coldly, and I knew no cap of invisibility would fool it. The snake lady released the scarf and fluttered down toward the general's hand. As soon as he gave it to the warriors, they would hunt Zoe and the others until they were extinct. I didn't have time to think. I ran and jumped with all my might, plowing into the warriors and snatching the scarf out of the air. What is this? bellowed the general. I landed at the feet of a skeletal warrior who hissed... Oh. I landed at the feet of a skeletal warrior who hissed... An intruder, the general growled. One cloaked in darkness. Seal the doors. It's Percy Jackson, Luke yelled. It has to be. I sprinted for the exit, but heard a ripping sound and realized the skeleton warrior had taken a chunk out of my sleeve. When I glanced back, he was holding the fabric up to his nose, sniffing the scent, holding it around to his friends. I wanted to scream, but I couldn't. I squeezed through the door just as the guards slammed it shut behind me. And then I ran. Ooh, doggy! <laughs> it's kicking off in Mythos Land, isn't it?
What do you think, y'all? <laughs> Jem says, well, dude. Jem says, this is very Greek goddish. And Vane is saying, it's very underworld. Oh, crap. He just saved the party. He may well have done so. Because, yeah, now he's got... Now the hunters have got his scent instead of theirs. Okay, now... Before any of y'all take off, we have a vote we need to do really quickly. It's going to be, I'm going to make it a five minute vote. So it's just so y'all, if you have to you know, refresh the thing, what have you, here's the vote. I'm doing a side karaoke stream. All right. Uh, I have to decide, am I going to replace a stream either next week or the week after for side karaoke, or do I want to do it at a different time? So whatever, you know, y'all know your schedules. I wanted to take this vote because y'all are the people who are typically here for it. So let me take this poll. Uh, it's going to be through Twitch. When, uh, when is best for side karaoke? There we go. Um, option one, uh, replace a Percy Jackson stream next week. Oh, I, I don't have enough room. So replace a Percy Jackson stream or different night. Um, and then if we, if it does end up being a different night, we'll have to sort of like, we'll have to do additional votes. Those will happen in the discord. So here it is. The vote is officially in. Remember, if you, um, don't, uh, if you don't see the vote, if you're trying to vote and it won't let you try to refresh your stream, if you're watching this on an app, go ahead and close out of the app and then jump back in. You've got five minutes to do so. So you are all set. And with that, the hype train begins y'all. <laughs> Y'all are fantastic. Thank you very, very much. Let's see, what got it kicked off? Uh, Alter Ego Quake, thank you very much for the follow and welcome. It's good to have you here. Let me get this AC on so I'm not melting. Yeah, I know y'all are here to melt my whole business with uh, with bits and stuff, but I don't also need to be heat melting. So, it kicks off quick, doesn't it? Uh, okay, so we have got... Uh, I saw Zanny already. Alter Ego Quake, thank you very much for joining us. And then Plague Deity with the gift sub. Dahlia, thank you very much for the bits. Sparkle Lovegood, thank you for the bits. Uh, and Dahlia, of course, uh, thank you very much for helping to, uh, you know, make it clear how the, the whole system works. Y'all, um, I will do, I will do um, one tonight as well, or I guess we could, like... We could maybe add this on. No, we'll do one for tonight as well. If so, here's how it works. Got a couple of traditions to uphold. Mama Cass is not here right now. She is with family um, here in uh, here here in our hometown. So, oh, good lord, plague deity! <laughs> Thank you very much. I tell you what, if y'all take it to 200% of level five, I'll I'll do it tonight. I'll do one tonight. <laughs> we can get a, we can get a side karaoke in tonight, and then we'll have uh, we'll have our stream for that later on. Again, don't forget to vote, y'all. Don't forget to vote. And if you see what the vote looks like, um, you might have to tell me because this, I, I think this uh, hype train has like covered up my, okay, here we go. Whew. It's like it covered up the vote. I don't know what to do. Dahlia, thank you very much for all those gift subs. Lovely. Everyone, my name is Sam. This has been Sidecar Stories. I hope you have a fantastic week. Of course, we have a couple of traditions to uphold, but if you are heading out now, it is wonderful. You can find uh, my back episodes on Twitch for a few weeks, and it looks like we have got the Spotify up and running, so I will see you there. Adios, y'all.